This is Movies, a podcast about the act of cinema. With me today is Hans. Hans, how are you doing tonight? Uh, well, it was computerless for a couple of days, uh, which was kind of a pain. Just, uh, I do everything on my computer, so I had to uh, use my PlayStation to watch my pornography, which is not ideal. I'm kidding. I didn't watch any pornography. I used to have a friend. That, I would be uh, more surprised that... that you had a PlayStation than if you were watching <laughs> porn on it. I used to, I used to have, well, I still have a friend, but he's still my friend, but uh, he, he didn't have a computer in his house, but he had a PlayStation 2, uh, and he told me that that's what he would use to watch pornography, uh, and it was the clunkiest, uh, most uncomfortable way to watch anything, because it's not really optimized for video on the browser, uh, but this was before cell phones or anything, so that just sticks in my head, and I don't really know why I just mentioned it. But so anyway, yes, toggling I'm around I'm a porn with, a, with an analog controller. <laughs> yeah, with the joysticks. You try to try to get titties, I guess. I mean, I, I think that's a little bit better than playing Grand Theft Auto and picking up hookers and trying to get aroused from that, trying to excite yourself from that. So, I look, I never had internet with my PlayStation. I tried so many goddamn times because I wanted to play Resident Evil Outbreak, I think it was, which was kind of like Left 4 Dead before Left 4 Dead. I don't know if you played that game for Xbox. That was an incredibly fun game where you just play as... You would have a team of four. It's best online, but you can play it with a partner and person or whatever. And you would essentially just have like a time limit and you have to survive and that's it. So they flood you with zombies. Uh, They would have like creatures and everything after you. They did two of these games for Xbox. Uh, 360 and it was the most fun you could have period so resident evil tried to like dip their toe in that water beforehand and it wasn't really the same type of game it was uh more in vain of the playstation series where you're navigating some environment and you have to get through so you're you're kind of uh on a mission i guess and you got to get to the end and you would similarly have like a team of four people for that and then they, they had an online component a lot of people were playing that even up until like this game was released in like 2007, 2006. People were playing that up to about 2012. So there were that game had its fans. It was a fun game. But we're not talking about PlayStation games for this. I mean, that was the backup. <laughs> that was the backup idea is to talk about video game adaptations, right? So we're talking about a different kind of game. We're talking about poker. We're talking about Paul Schrader's latest feature, The Card Counter. This is how it starts. It builds and builds. Has a life of its own. There is a weight a man can accrue. This is where all the good stuff happens. The weight created by his past actions. It is a weight which can never be removed. All in. You count cards, right? I'm not that smart. But you win. You need someone to stake you. That's what you do. You run a stable. I'm always looking for a good thoroughbred. <laughs> Having been sentenced to 10 years in prison, I learned to count cards. How'd you do that? Poker's all about waiting. Check, raise, re-raise, call. Then something happens. You remember it? This is where all the good stuff happens. They made you the fall guy. You need to back off. 
You've been around him. He's a mystery. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. This is how it starts. Just a fleeting thought. You might want a piece of what I'm gonna do. Then it builds. Well, what is that? Set things straight. It doesn't matter to me if you did something bad in your past. Nothing. Nothing can justify what we did. We are each responsible for our own actions. You know the phrase tilt, just like a pinball. Any man can tilt. You can tilt. Is it possible to know when one reaches the limit? You have to be the strangest poker player I ever met. Oh, you have no idea. Yeah. I'm shocked that this came to the Costa Rican theater. Yeah. The uh, dingy little Fijian theater where little... African children gather around and watch Abbott and Costello shorts all day and try to keep cool because it's the only spot with air conditioning. Why African? <laughs> We're not nowhere close to Africa. We're just little, well, they're little and brown, excuse me. Uh, yeah, I found it on my local theater, uh, which is my room. Uh, and I decided to watch it because of how much I enjoyed First Reform. We did an episode of that, right? Uh, there, Actually, you know what? I completely forgot about that. There is an episode of that. That was before you were the co-host. And mm-hmm. I believe Jake and I wound up talking about First Reformed. So when so I eventually boring. do, it, yeah, when so I eventually do, no, it was a serious conversation. <laughs> That's all it was. Uh, right. When there is a Paul Schrader repackaging, because we've done so many episodes now on his movies, First Reformed, Mishima, Patty Hearst, a complete retrospective on his entire assortment of films. We didn't even get into uh, many of them. Uh, that will have to be included now, I guess. And certainly this will as well. Well, we did that one with uh, Robbie and Nick, right? Where we talked about like car wash and uh, I can't remember. Blue Collar? Blue Collar, yeah. Car Wash. Wait, is- it's Car Wash? Car Wash. <laughs> Same movie. Car Wash and Blue Collar, same <laughs> same movie. You sure. know, same, uh, same Richard Pryor, uh, George Carling vehicle. Have you seen Car Wash? I, I have seen, I, I did a double feature of Car Wash and DC Cab many, many years ago when I was faking sick to stay home from school. And uh, I faked sick so many times that I ran out of sick days and I had to go to the clinic to get a a doctor's note to excuse myself so i'd be like i had i have a stomach i'd be like 15 16 years old and telling this pediatrician i have i have a tummy ache i'm sick ah can i please get a doctor's note for school so i have this excuse so i don't get suspended fail all my classes i was i was a little fat ball what's a big fat boy not little and i used to pretend that i had asthma so i wouldn't do pe so I would just lay on the on the nurse's uh, bench, just on pretend that I had trouble breathing. Just lay on her <laughs> lap, on her stomach, <laughs> hear her heartbeat. No, she was, she was, she was gross. Uh, pretend that I had <laughs> trouble breathing just so that I wouldn't have to run a mile, whatever the fuck they would have us do. Uh, so I, I just didn't have the chance to go home because we're in a third world country. They don't care. Uh, but I did get out of doing like 
yeah, like a mile run or whatever, because I knew that I could just run for like five minutes and then just fatly breathe and walk. And I didn't want to be embarrassed in front of everyone. So uh, I, I, I feel you there. With that that's one. that's such a 1950s kids thing. You didn't want to run the mile, so you faked ill. Yeah. They didn't even make us run a mile. You know what they would do is we'd have to go out to the football field and we'd just do a lap, but you you would walk the lap. There would be one or two kids who would try to show up everybody else and run it who were probably in track to begin with, but nobody right. gave a shit. It's like, oh, well, now you got to wait for all of us, you stupid fuck. Now you got to yeah. wait 40 minutes on the bench, you stupid <laughs> asshole, you fucking well, nerd. Every, well, everyone else that's sweaty, like me, walks around the, the track instead of running. Exactly. Just a bunch of stoners trailing the pack, talking, having a, having a, like trying to sneak, sneak cigarettes on the school grounds during that time. And they probably could because it'd be like a good 10 minute walk all the way around. No one's monitoring you. Who gives a shit? That's so, that's, I think one of the biggest difference that um, with my upbringing and your upbringing that um, we didn't really have weed here until I was an adult, like high school, no one smoked weed in my high school, even, even drinking. Um, I remember I, uh, I started getting in the crowd with the bad people, right? Like the bad guys, the rebels or whatever the fuck you want to call them in high school. And they would drink wine. <laughs> they would go to someone's house after our uh, morning shift or shift after our morning classes. And, uh, and then they would just buy wine. And I would just be like, oh, this is not cool. This is not as cool as I thought it would be. And no. I would just drink wine and get drunk with like cool. very cheap wine. It was terrible. So I never had like the you know freaks and geeks experience that you guys have up in the states i would it would just be like yeah just very lame and uh either that or you hang out with criminals here uh i I wasn't brave enough for that so i just hold on with that lame cool people i guess well i when i was a kid uh in the projects anyway the big thing was everybody got into weed probably by middle school uh, I don't think anybody was smoking it in elementary school, but they started with like black and mild. So you would see kids trying to be, be cool smoking those oh, yeah. and then they would move on to weed. And then by the time high school comes around, people were fucking around with Adderall. People were doing Coke. Nobody was doing hair. Actually, that's not true. There were a couple of kids that were doing heroin, only a few. Wow. And they always looked like they were doing heroin. Um, rarely went to school if they went to school they would go to school and check in and then sign out and then they'd hang out at the galleria which was um maybe we did we stop by the galleria during filming a mass day lottery we i don't think we did we might have i might have i i don't recall it's a building where there's like a dunkin donuts there used to be a pizza shop a convenience store uh weight watchers jenny craig it's all of these different things in this one building it's not quite a shopping mall it's just like a local seating area for Older people, hungry people, tired people. And there's a parking lot you can go to for the building that's next door, which is an apartment building. Anyway, um, so living in the projects, that was the experience there. Wasn't quite the same with the neighboring uh, areas that also went to my high school. And then by high school, yeah, everybody's drinking, everybody's smoking. We started out with Smirnoff Ice. Smirnoff Ice and Bacardi. Not even like real Bacardi, but like Bacardi did a similar Smirnoff Ice style drink. Mm Uh, that was like it's mango flavored watermelon Bacardi <laughs> and it would be so sugary <laughs> yeah. so what about uh Mike Mike's heart lemonade that was my first drink 
ever in Canada. I would uh, just buy a sixth of my cart's lemonade and be like, hell yeah, I'm fucking wasted now after drinking two because I was lame and didn't, <laughs> didn't drink until I was like 19, 20. Uh, people weren't really drinking. That was more of an early, well, this makes sense with your age. That was more of an early aughts yeah. thing. Uh, not mm-hmm. quite when I was in high school, which is the end of that decade. Um, so my neighbor, who is considerably older than me, he was like 16 or 17 at the time, he would get Mike's Hard Lemonade and then hide it out in the backyard right by the steps. Like there was a corner in the steps where his parent, like nobody was using the back door to go out. So he would hide it there at night and then he would go out and do that, I guess. Um, but I, I remember we were holding a, we were hosting a party, uh, me and a friend of mine, down a private beach that we did not have legal access to. We just found a private beach owned by somebody and said, this is going to be the spot. We're going to get 20 kids here. We're going to host it here. And I remember one of my friends who had never drank before, their introduction was Mike's Hard Lemonade. And uh, they thought they were real big and big and tough and tall that night. They said, oh, we're drinking hard liquor. Because they thought <laughs> yeah. Mike's Hard Lemonade would be, anyway, very embarrassing, yeah, just... very amusing to me only in my head. So that that is a delicious raspberry flavored drink. You would like, you would eventually yeah. get into that if you had like girls going to a party. You have to get twisted tea. You have to get Mike's hard lemonade. All that dumb shit. Uh, yeah. But it, I mean, at the time, it's it's whatever. You're 15, 16 years old. That's probably what you should be drinking. No one's passing. I mean, actually, I'll tell you what, my first party I went to, we got the Bacardi right that I just told you about. But uh, a friend who is Trinidadian said oh well you know what my dad drinks he drinks johnny walker we'll go get a bottle of johnny walker and he bought a fucking Mm. like 70 dollar bottle of johnny walker like a prestigious label of johnny walker he gets blue label yeah it was something like that it was blue label (laughs) red and almost nobody drank it he felt obligated to drink most of it this is a kid who had never drank before and I was helping him out, and we everybody who drank the Johnny Walker just made themselves violently ill. It was a and he got so sick that he had to be left alone because he couldn't stop puking. And I remember um, the next time around, I I was drinking pretty heavy like that, and we were all at my friend's house. This kid Sam Hardy, his parents would go out of town. His parents decided to let him have a party one night and go upstairs because it was like his sixteenth birthday or something or seventeenth birthday. And I remember I I got so sick and then i puked in the sink and um it wasn't going down because he had i think they had a whatever it was i i I don't know but it wasn't going down in the kitchen sink and i remember trying to get it going and trying to do this and that (laughs) and i was i was so wasted and i remember just like looking to my right it was bad it was real bad okay And I ran water and I was trying, and the sink's filling up or whatever. And I have my hand in there. I'm trying to like unclog it. Or, I didn't, I don't remember what, it, what exactly the problem was, but I remember I looked up to my right and then it was Sam Hardy's dad right next to me. And he was just smiling. I couldn't tell if he knew or not that there was vomit in his kitchen sink that I was trying uh, to push down. But then he hit it like a button or whatever and it went down. Ah, that was, that was dangerous times. That was scary times. Yeah, uh, let me just tell you how third world country that wine that I'm talking about was. Uh, There's a very popular soccer team here here called Saprisa. They put out a brand of wine that came in a plastic bottle. And that's what they would drink in outside of my, uh, when we would finish high school. Uh, 
we would we would go from uh what eight in the morning no seven in the morning to to noon that was one schedule and then the other was from noon to five uh and whenever we would have an early one and we'll go out after uh to someone's house they would buy that wine which is you know a soccer team's wine <laughs> it's nothing fancy or anything it was like two dollars if that at the time uh so uh, that's the that's the difference between <laughs> between our drinking, I guess. Mine was very thermal country-ish, where it's like a soccer wine that lasted like a year or two. Because that, like, who would who the fuck would buy that other than young people wanting to get wasted? Uh, but I didn't really have many drunken experiences until I moved to Canada. But I was already in my twenties, uh, which is when I started actually, you know, drinking. Uh, instead of just, you know, I'm, I'll have a sip of it just to pretend that I, I'm a party. Just person. to fit in. You got to fit in. You got to make yourself yeah. fit in. Yeah. Well, I told you about my my roommates that would play D&D, right? They would make fun no, of me. No, you never out. mentioned. You not never once have you mentioned roommates who play Dungeons and Dragons. Okay. So um, on my, what, third year, I think, or second year when I was living in Canada, I moved in with a couple of friends. Um I made the mistake of trusting them and not seeing the apartment before moving in because I was with a girl that I was seeing at the time. So I was like, I'll trust you guys. It's fine. Uh, we got a three bedroom apartment where both of their bedrooms were big on the flo- top floor. And then my room was little on the basement, uh, little enough where I couldn't stand up straight because the uh, ceiling was too low. Uh, but I was like, fine, I'm living with my friends, whatever. I can't have a, my my bed was just a mattress on the floor because you couldn't have a, even a box uh, spring because it was shitty. Mm. Uh, and they would uh, get people from Craigslist to come over to our apartment so they could play Dungeons and Dragons. And there was, uh, on Wednesdays, uh, the bar that we would go to had very cheap drinks. So I would go out on Wednesdays with my other group of friends. And every time I would go out on Wednesdays, I would come upstairs and they would be playing D&D and they'd be like... Oh, look at you. What are you going to do? Go drinking <laughs> and then just laugh between them and just be like, what's happening here? What is this? <laughs> like, why is this like reverse bullying weird? And then I would get home at like one in the morning, all drunk, and they would again make fun of me. But they would have been playing Dungeons and Dragons for like six hours or five hours or whatever that night. Uh, that happened uh, multiple times uh, with them, which is why I don't really like that game. I was bullied. <laughs> I was bullied by nerds. <laughs> See, we never but, yeah. played Dungeons and Dragons when my, like, w- I, there was a very short window of time where we would get together and play board games. And this was like before cell phones were a popular thing, even before people got caught up in social media or anything like that. Right. I remember yeah. Gary would facilitate Gary from Comfort Systems episode uh, four and also the summertime specials. He would facilitate these games of risk. Did you ever play Risk, the board game? No, but I'm familiar with it. They tried to make me play that. They also tried to make me play uh, something of Catan, Settlers of Catan, which is horribly boring. Mm. I don't know if you're familiar with that. I've heard it before. I have never played the game. I'm not familiar with uh, the the dynamic of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's not not what I'm into at all. I don't really like board games. Is that board? Do you remember that in the early... Well, like mid 2000s, there was like a boom of like board game playing and there, you would see all these hobby stores that would fill up with a lot of different types of board games and card games and things like that. And uh, I know. Yeah, no, that's that's still a thing. I mean, 
you can go to any card shop and they will be having Magic the Gathering battles. They'll be doing Yu-Gi-Oh battles. There's there's one of those in Brockton uh, that I you go there, you walk by there any Saturday and uh, you can see right through because they've got uh, just glass for the for the exterior. And you will see a bunch of sweaty, fat nerds sitting around flipping cards at a table. And it looks like that one bit that Boogie2988 did where he flipped the table. It looks like that. So people are still doing that. But yeah, that was definitely, I think the height of that was like 2002 to 2006 or so. So uh, yeah, we would we, what we played instead was always Risk. And Risk is like a good three to five hour game each time. And you got to have a lot of investment in that. And there were, there's a, that game is very Sober, fun. Right. It, back then. Yes. Yes. Yeah. We, we never played it. I think not sober, unfortunately, um, but it was always so tense because you would have the same thing would always happen every game, which is I'm going to make an alliance with Gary and then I'm going to break the alliance midway through the game. And then Gary's <laughs> going to get pissed and then something something's going to happen where a third party is going to start to win. I'm going to go, Gary, we have to team up again. You have to trust me. And Gary will go like, yeah, I'll trust you. And then he'll attack me and I'll get out. And then Gary fucking loses because he's a stupid idiot. And he doesn't jump back because he's like, you're going to cut. But he doesn't do the fucking math. Stupid ass Gary. He'll never be an actor. Yeah. Stupid risk playing guy. I wonder hey. if he still plays. He probably still plays. <laughs> hey, you know what else is a card game is poker is Texas Hold'em. And that's Oscar yeah. Isaac's specialty in this film, The Card Counter, in theaters now. Yeah. Is it in theaters still? I think. I what What's going to theaters anyway? Venom 2? Yeah. Uh, Eternals? Isn't that out? Are no, you? that ain't out yet. We'd know by now because that movie's going to hit with... I'm Look, I thought Shang-Chi was going to flop. That movie did pretty decent numbers. People might just show up for Eternals. Well, Venom did what record numbers, right? It, yeah, it did record numbers. It did better numbers than the first one, even, and it's doing very good numbers even for pandemic. Um, you know, for for readjusting to that. But have you seen it? No, I haven't seen it. I've only the last movie I did see was The Card Counter. I've seen The Card Counter and Pig in theaters so far. Yeah. Um, I haven't either. I really don't want to. I really don't care. I, I know that I did a, uh, an episode of this on the first one and how how it was a good thing that it's not part of the MCU thing, but I'm honestly so checked out with anything that has to do with superheroes that I, I, couldn't, I couldn't muster like a little bit of excitement for this at all. Even if it's, you know, just as dumb and yeah, dumb as the first one is, which is why I liked it. Um, but yeah, nothing I think it, for me, it's the combination and look, carnage is my favorite Spider-Man bad guy, probably even Marvel bad guy in general. Um, I, I'm I'll, I'll check it out. I don't know if I want to see that in the theater though. I'm so similar to you, anything superhero related. I'm kind of, I'm good at the moment. And, uh, especially anything super CG heavy. It's like, Oh, what, what are we going to see a building falling apart? Or is there going to be an explosion? Yeah. Is that worth forty five dollars? Probably is that not. How much you spend? Holy shit! That is yeah. a low estimate. The tickets themselves are anywhere between like twelve. I mean, depending on how you're seeing it, could be twelve bucks, could be twenty bucks. What time you're seeing it, 
Then you got to think about the food. You got to think about the water. It's going to be dirty ice in your cup. The the Coca Cola is probably going to be watered down. The sweets. I heard, I heard they're doing a new type of screen for this Venom movie where. Uh, in some scenes, the walls are also screens, so you see like a three screens. To I, I don't know why, because this movie doesn't seem like something that needs that, but they're offering that for that movie. Same with uh, I remember when I saw the the third Hobbit movie uh, that I saw. In the, no, the second Hobbit movie I saw in the theaters uh, because I retarded. Uh, I saw it on a D box seat, uh, and uh, that's another really stupid thing what is that was that when they would like play when they would put like mist in the theater or uh blow some wind on your face yeah and then the seat moves too depending on what happens so so whenever the the bad character whose name i can't remember was on the eagle or whatever the seat would move and then you would get like steam and like spring sprinkle water on your face what if you're recovering from pneumonia and you just wanted a night out at the theater and you get someone yeah. spraying water in your lungs? That sounds cool. Corona water. Yeah, it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't great. That movie was a piece of shit, too. Of course it was. They, they all <laughs> Listen, Lord of the Rings is terrible. They're all bad movies. But what I was going to say is I don't, I'm, I'm not necessarily opposed to the idea of them trying to amp up the theater experience and try to make it a little more unique. I don't mind the effort but I just can't be bothered at this point. That's really what it comes down to. It's just like, ah, do I want to do that? No, I don't want yeah. to do this. So you're going to pay extra for this gimmick? On well, the movies aren't worth it. We've seen movie. this movie already. This movie's been done. What's the yeah. point? I don't know. Um, so I, I'm, I'm only really interested in seeing adult dramas in theaters now. I want to uh, be entertained in a, in a psychological way or a... Uh, emotional, emotionally intelligent way, as opposed to oh, they used a computer to make that car look like it flipped over. Well, you want to see Shazam two on IMAX? Oh God, <laughs> I'd probably rather pass away. Yeah, the new Spider Man movie with every Spider Man on IMAX D box. You seem hold on. You seem very averse to be discussing this card counter movie. Did you not like this card counter movie very much? It, it was it was all right. I didn't hate it. Um, I when it comes to Paul Schrader movies that I've enjoyed, I don't think top five maybe. Uh, I I think Oscar Isaac was great. I think it's his first performance since uh, Lewin Davis. Probably uh, he carried the movie, but uh, it, I felt like it was two different movies. Uh, the the Abu Grave. Uh, bits and the the poker bits they never really worked together for me uh, I felt like the Abu Ghraib bits were really interesting and then the poker parts maybe because I don't play poker or whatever but everything that had to do with the playing and the, especially the dialogue that happened between those three actors where one of them was great and then the other two were kind of eh, that Ty Sheridan guy I've never really been a huge fan of him I feel like he's very the same on everything has a very confused look on his face throughout i don't mind him but he's definitely limited i agree with that you know that was supposed to be shia labeouf originally and then his stupid me too thing happened that everybody has forgotten and nobody cares about anymore for i guess that it wasn't even paul schrader 
uh, that thought, oh, we got to get rid of him. Because Paul Schrader's been like, how long until we can start using Kevin Spacey again? What if I, hypothetically, what if I wrote a script and the only role I had in mind for this is Kevin Spacey playing this character? What, what do I do then? He's been doing that. So I think he do wanted think Shia anyone, LaBeouf. Do you think... Do you think anyone will give a shit? I think everyone's past Kevin Spacey now. I don't think I don't understand how he would get kicked off this movie, especially where it's so like compared to your average, uh, you know, theatrical feature. The budget on this is small. It's not being distributed by Universal or Warner Brothers or anybody like that. I believe it's just focus features. There's no reason to get rid of Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf is going to be right back. He's doing that Abel Ferreira movie. So. It, it I, I don't get it. So much better. He's such a. He's, <laughs> it, you know, he would have uh, brought a lot to it, but he's past the point in his career where he can play a young kid, and that's what that Ty right. Sheridan character is. He oh, he didn't go to. So you'd have Oscar Isaac, who's like four to six years older than Shia LaBeouf, being like, "I want you to go to college. I want you to talk to your mom." <laughs> like what? I'm a grown I man, I, Oscar. I mean, fair enough, but I think. Well, I saw Honey Boy, which I know you love. I I uh well, I enjoyed I it. it. Look, I liked <laughs> it. I saw it in the theater. I thought it was good. But I I mean, it lived up to my expectations in some ways and then in other ways I thought it was just kind of uh whatever. Kind of who cares? Yeah, the story was kind of whatever, but he was great in it. He was yeah. so good as as his dad. Uh so I know that he always brings it. You know, he's that type of crazy where uh you know, if we if we didn't know anything about his personal life, I think it would be much better just because of you know he's he's grown up in that environment so he's obviously not all there uh but uh his performance is always great uh on everything even that piece of shit um tax collector movie he's like the shining light on that movie his performance is still good even though he's playing a fucking cholo and he's from like well i don't even know where he's from it's from the energy of all those cats he killed he took their souls and absorbed their energy like freddy krueger did those teenagers on elm street and that's what made him powerful (laughs) in that film so that's i mean that's probably also that had something to do with him getting kicked off this movie um but i definitely think it would have elevated it he would have been it would have made the trifecta of Oscar Isaac and um, Shia LaBeouf and Tiffany Haddish a little more interesting than Ty Sheridan, who's kind of a, he's not dissimilar from Oscar Isaac in this movie where he's even keeled. He's very reserved for the most part. And it's not that Shia LaBeouf can't capture that same kind of energy and give that type of performance. But I think like a base level Shia LaBeouf is going to have much more energy than a base level Ty Sheridan, who's probably dipping into the negative with his lack of enthusiasm and charisma. Yeah. Is he the, the one from Ready Player One? Or am I yes. confusing him with someone else? Okay. Yeah. That's kind of, that's wild that he starred in one of the biggest Warner Brothers movies of like the past 10 years. And then he doesn't really have much to say for it after. He's doing like Rick Alverson films. He's doing this movie. Yes it's not very good but like, what is he going to play when he doesn't look like a teenager anymore oh he he's, was cyclops he's, for a while and then they ended that series so he's, he's got very like bad ansel elport energy you know where he when he's boring when he's not bringing it it's it's very much like that nothing i mean he's getting work good for him but i, I just don't find him interesting uh, as a performer i feel like he's very one tone and then you have tiffany haddish who every time she opened her mouth I felt like I was watching a Saturday Night Live sketch. It took me out of it completely. Uh, her look was fine. She, lo- she looked good. Uh, the look of the character was good. 
but the way that oh, she delivered her... Oh, you were getting her... H-word, huh? You're living up no, to your no, name not on like that. You're getting no. boned out no. watching the card count because Tiffany Haddish and her long-ass you nails. Know in, you know I'm not into POCs. <laughs> so no. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I just... Every time she opened her mouth... And also, I, I guess the dialogue that they give her wasn't really that great to begin with, but... She just felt out of place. And uh, maybe it's because I, I thought that Oscar Isaac, even though he was, like you said, very reserved and like very internal, his performance was very internal, uh, a lot with his eyes, not a lot of dialogue. But um, I don't know. Every every time she, I, I honestly didn't know. I, I'm not familiar with Tiffany Haddish at all. It's not on my sphere of people that I enjoy. Or that I She did watch. Girls uh, Trip. So- she did. That's about it. Uh, that's that's about it of note. I know she did a bunch of like fake Kevin Hart movies, like Die Hart for Quibi or whatever. I think she might have been in that. She does like all okay. these, you know, her her whole rise to fame in outside of like the the like black entertainment sphere is kind of questionable. It kind of just seemed like she was, I guess, the breakout star of that Girls Trip movie. And enough critics said this is a good movie. Where they took it seriously and they were like, well, who's who's really the star of this? I guess Tiffany Haddish, it ain't Jada Pinkett Smith. So I, we'll put her in movies. We'll try to make her a thing because Monique is done. Monique won her Oscar and disappeared. She's kind of playing that sort of thing without being a fatso. Well, she asked for, I think he, the last I heard of her was when she asked for more money for Netflix so that she could put out a special, right? And then Netflix was like, no. No one cares about you. <laughs> who right. Who, who, who had the money? Who got who got the money she was trying to compare herself to? Chappelle. I think it was Chappelle. Yeah. Was it Chappelle? I, it I'm might have been pretty Chappelle. sure it was Chappelle. Chappelle yeah. gets a $6 million deal or something like that, or $60 million deal with Netflix to do a couple of specials. And she's like, well, why haven't I gotten that? It's like, I'm well, a you're legend. Monique. It's, like, it's like, well, you're, you're a legend, maybe, but I guess black people know who you are and you were in some movies in the 90s, but. Who's really excited about watching a Monique movie in 2020, 2021, you know, or a special. She she doesn't do anything. She won her Oscar. She got her money and she either disappeared because people were like, here's, here's probably what happened. She won the Oscar and she was like, so now I can make real requests for real money. And when she would show up and say, all right, you want to pay me 200,000 for this? Like I'm nobody, like I'm Monique from the Jamie Foxx show or Monique, the CW show. Uh, I'm Academy Award winner, Monique, actually. And you're going to pay me, I think you're going to pay me a million five for this movie. And people said, yeah. we're good. Uh, anyway. <laughs> it's like, so, what character are you going to play besides loud, fat black woman? Is, you don't have a loud, flat black woman on, uh, on a flat, loud, fat, flat too, I guess, <laughs> performance, black woman in the, in the movie? No. All right, then goodbye like she was here's what she, you know we'll see her again she'll pop up in something like eternals i guarantee it she'll she'll be in eternals too because they'll be like you know we haven't heard from monique in a while there's she no doesn't have superheroes she, you know there's nowhere for her to go yeah there's nowhere for her to go like steve harvey or cedric where cedric's doing sitcoms now uh mm. dl hughley is trying to be like i'm actually the smart educated black comedian and i'm gonna lecture like what john leguizamo is doing right now he's like well actually now that i'm done doing one man shows uh let's talk about american history and how the puerto ricans have never gotten there it's like you motherfucker you're clearly Colombian. you You lied about your background you're you're a fraud do you see his tweet about how he was you know upset that luigi's not going to be played by 
an Italian man. It's like, you played Luigi, you're not Italian either, you retard. <laughs> <laughs> you got his fake ethnicities confused again. That's understandable. Yeah. But I mean, Steve Harvey goes to game shows, Cedric goes to sitcoms, DL Hughley has his own space, and then who's Bernie Mac? Jamie guy? Fox. Jamie Foxx is like the only one that's been able to make a real acting career out of that bunch. Because he's, has he won Oscars? I don't know if he's won yeah. Oscars. Maybe with Ray. He won Ray. With well, Ray, he, Ray. He, he elevated himself by winning the Academy Award for Ray in 2004. And he was also nominated. I, I think he might have been duly nominated for. Django? Oh, geez. For maybe Collateral. But that wasn't happening, obviously. Um I might have that wrong. Maybe he got nominated for best original song or something. I, I'm fairly certain though he got he had two things that were nominated in the same year, and it was Ray that he wound up winning for. That was a, that was a given. Yeah, collateral, Oscar nominated. So he hold on, role. he was nominated for best actor and best supporting actor in the same year. Uh, yes, 2005. That's crazy. Wow, good for him. Um, yeah, so he parlayed that into an actual acting gig, but he had to give up doing comedy for that. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, I, fair enough, I guess. The last movie he did was Soul, that animated uh, Pixar movie. Didn't he play the main character? I, I, I don't want to know. I don't know. I haven't seen that. Uh, Martin Lawrence is another guy who just dried up and disappeared. That's an unfortunate one because he's very funny. He was the funniest part of the Beach Bum, the Harmony Korean Matthew McConaughey movie. He's, he steals a show in that for the limited time he's in there. I'm just waiting for uh, Big Mama's House Medea crossover movie to come out. That's oh going to be his God. comeback. <laughs> What's unfortunate is that probably will happen. I could totally see where the, the rights to that laps at Fox and Tyler Perry scoops it up and does it just for the one movie and then puts it to bed for good. You know, because he doesn't want competition. He'll do he'll do the one crossover and then you will never see Big Mama again. If She'll that comes out, if that comes out, if that comes to life, we'll do a double feature of that <laughs> and, Nor- and Norbit. I'll make you watch Norbit. <laughs> I've seen Norbit. Seen- I've seen Norbit. I didn't I didn't listen. I didn't hate Norbit when I watched it like six years ago or whatever. I think I own Norbit. Oh, geez. on DVD. I got it for like three bucks when I was living in Canada. I um, think when you were trying to prove to us you had, what was it, like Kevin Smith films on DVD or yeah. something? You, I, I think Norbit was in the collection you brought on Civic TV. Um, yeah. But anyway, I didn't, I didn't think Tiffany Haddish was bad in this movie. I wasn't sold on her initially, I'll tell you that. I was certainly skeptical and I was kind of like, what are you doing in this film? Come on, well, knock it off. Why is they this going to be? The, they did the meme. You know the meme where they mentioned the name of the movie on the dialogue? Because at one point, I wrote it down. She says, I watch you play. You count cards, right? <laughs> <laughs> that was one of the lines. I was like, oh, no. Why? Paul, the fuck? Uh, that that was one of the things that, you know, because there, there's not a lot of dialogue coming out of Oscar Isaac, who's the one that's giving the the better performance at least in my opinion uh so every scene that it was just tie shirt and, and her trying to i don't know make something out of the dialogue i i was just bored i was just like can we go back to this guy being tortured and being weird because we don't really know much about him other than you know he plays cards and he likes playing cards and then he's very 
weird with his hotel room where he covers everything with like blankets and right he's trying to recreate his prison cell but paul schrader said in an interview i don't know why that character does that he said i just thought it would be fun to have oscar isaac do that on the set that's just paul schrader's genius at work what did you think of how they shot those prison scenes where you have it seems like it's a wide angle lens that has been um overtaken by a fisheye lens it's yeah, very peculiar. It looked like a VR. Have you ever seen a VR video? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Goes? It looked like the, I was very confused by that. I thought I don't. I didn't know why that was happening because it's the the only a couple of those scenes are shot like that, uh, where yeah, it's very wide, but then in the middle, it's like a weird bulb type of thing. Um, I, I I don't know. I was confused by it. I, I was wondering what he was trying to pull off, and then he doesn't do it again in the movie so i i don't know if it was just trying to get experimental or if you're supposed to take out your vr goggles and put it on for those two minutes <laughs> in that scene so that you can feel like you're in the prison uh but i i kind of liked that aspect of the character more than the poker bits like i wanted i wanted to see more of his backstory because i i found it to be a, a much interesting character than anyone else that was in the movie so whenever they showed him in prison getting you know beaten up on purpose just so that he could feel pain or whatever the fuck he was trying to do there like that felt closer to like a taxi driver closer to like a first reform type of character where they're very tortured and trying to hurt themselves in a way without them actually doing the hurting uh so i i wish that was a little bit more explored uh in it uh but the the poker bits kind of felt to me at least felt very very much like he this was my main idea uh the the poker parts but none of it really i i didn't really care for any of it the fact that he was winning the fact that you know there's this guy shouting usa every time he wins he was from like not the states right i think that was the the thing he was russian yeah he was Russian, yeah. And then, you know, on the same table as a guy that had been torturing people in like a prison or whatever. So that, that, I, I get the commentary, Paul. I see what you're trying to do there. <laughs> but at the same time, it's kind of like, I, uh, I don't know. I couldn't get in, in, invested in that bit. I wanted to see more of what he went through to get into this autistic person that he became or like this ruthless uh, character that I guess we kind of see at the end. Uh, but uh how long is it's like two hours right it's a it's i think it might be a little bit under two hours he's definitely revisiting themes in this movie paul schrader seems to have a chunk of his brain that is hung up on war crimes and uh the things that people in power do during wars I, i felt that this movie was a mashup between adam resurrected which is a jeff goldblum willem dafoe world war ii movie where Willem Dafoe is a Nazi and he takes in Jeff Goldblum during the Holocaust, who's a performer. He's like a clown. He's a comedian. He's got a show he puts on uh, and he takes him in as a dog. He says, you're going to be the dog of the house now, Jeff Goldblum. I'm going to kill your family and your the people you perform with. And you're going to be a dog. And Jeff Goldblum just lives life as a dog for a while. And then he goes to a mental facility and, uh, we learn about his backstory oh, that's when, gradually. That's when he plays like a doctor, right? Jeff Goldblum. Isn't well, he's he supposed to be. Like... I don't. I don't remember if he's a doctor or not. I think he's. Um, 
he's like helping, he's treating some of the, the patients or whatever there, but um, he's definitely got some problems going on. I think you might be misremembering that a little bit, or maybe I am. Right. So it, it's that movie. It is American Gigolo, certainly at the end when you have, well, you were marking the, uh, the touch. He does that ending twice. Now, this is the third time he has done that ending for a movie. He does it in American Gigolo where there's just contact between the two love interests through, through the, um, the screen. And he revisits that in Light Sleeper with Willem Dafoe and uh, Susan Sarandon. That's the early 90s. Same ending. And then in this movie, you get the same ending again. So it's a little bit of American Gigolo, Adam Resurrected, First Reformed, and maybe uh, maybe a little bit of um, maybe a little bit of Light Sleeper. I, I, I don't know. It kind of also parts of it also reminded me a little bit of Dog Eat Dog, but Dog Eat Dog is okay. such a crazy explosive. Oh, Dying of the Light, Dying of the Light. This movie's a lot. Better than Dying of the Light, which I I watched the official cut that was released to uh, DVD and Netflix that was compromised. It was taken out of Paul Schrader's hands. And Paul Schrader released his own version called Dark in late 2017, early 2018. He uploaded to Pirate Bay with a little note. And I have to say, I've watched both Dark and Dying of the Light. And Dying in the Light is better than Dark. Paul Schrader's <laughs> cut is not as good. Uh, there's certainly some cool experimental aspects that he had to employ due to only having DVD work prints of his original copy to go off of. But the Dying of the Light uh, official cut is a much more satisfying film and well-put-together film. So th- this feels like a mashup of all those, but he's working with new actors here. And I, I think Oscar Isaac is good. I think that, um, you know, there's certainly shots in this movie that are not very flattering to his figure. It made me realize, wow, Oscar Isaac is built like all of us. Oscar Isaac is just like <laughs> a little out of shape man. He's got string bean arms and a fat gut. And uh, yeah. those pants don't look very little flattering less. on him. All these full body shots are not good shots of Oscar Isaac. It just makes his ass look plump and juicy and fat. And uh, he's got tiny little, uh, just little legs. What the yeah. hell's going on with this? This man's a leading man in Hollywood, please. Yeah, when he's in when he's in prison, but he has you know he has his his uh, badass hair where he's just like long that he comes back or whatever, and then he gets beaten up by that black guy. He looks so much bigger than him, like the size difference between this those two. Uh, yeah, I um, I, I agree, <laughs> especially that awkward, uncomfortable sex scene that he has with Tiffany Haddish. Yes. Where she just looks ginormous. She <laughs> she really does. All you see are hips and thighs, and then you got Oscar Isaac's scrawny little back. And uh, it, he is out of his league. He's out of his element there. He looks like he's storming a sand dune or something. He's just not physically meant to uh, be mounting this enormous lady. And she's not even enormous. She's just... Yeah. Anyway, he's a, he's a little man, is what we're getting at here. And famously now... I said that that was an homage to the Vern Troyer sex tape to which somebody shares that to the Paul Schrader Lonely Man uh, Facebook group, which for whatever reason, Paul Schrader happens to be in. And he sees this because I reposted a screen cap of it. And uh, he goes, he says, Vern Troyer, which I don't know. I, I, I don't know if he read it sincerely or not, or if he, 
He even knows who Vern Troyer is. It's all right, though. I hope I didn't hear his feelings. Him. I think we should bring him we'll on Just call Paul Schrader. I have his phone number. That's kind of weird. Why? Because he put it in a Facebook comment, and then somebody sent it to me. He said, hey, give me a call to somebody's reply on his Facebook status, but his Facebook statuses are public. And then somebody said, Paul, you're going to get a lot of calls now. Listen, um, we've called Rich Boss before. Why don't you call Paul right now and see? Call Paul. Better call Paul. Let's see. Uh, My phone is on its way out. I don't even know if my phone is charged. I don't even know if I still have the number, but I definitely did send it a text. So I could probably find it right now. Um, I don't know if I want to try to get him. We should try to get him on the show. Yeah. I mean, can we make phone calls through Zoom? I'm not sure. But we could on Skype, obviously. I don't think we can do it on Zoom. He's one of the most interesting directors out there because he's so outspoken. Uh, and, uh, you know, I failed in my attempt of getting Vincent Gallo on the show. So maybe, <laughs> we would, maybe we can get Paul. Do you want to just recap what happened when you asked for Vincent Gallo to grace, his, grace our show with his appearance, with his self? Well, um, I had been drinking, which is a mistake always. Sure. Uh, and then uh, Did you send him a Dalton I, Pruitt style essay of, hey, man, no. I'm going through a hard time. <laughs> no, no. I, I was like, listen, Vince, uh, I know that hey, Vinny. Uh, most people. <laughs> hey, How hey, you doing hey Vin. Hey, buddy. Uh, no, I was like, uh, uh, you know, we, we have a, a podcast. I, I can I can read it to you right now, actually, because my, you know, my memory. Please do uh, transcribe. But it. I pr- I pretty much just like flattered him a little bit, hope, hoping that that would work. I said, uh, we're big fans of your work and we think that you're one of the most interesting actors slash people that are still working on the industry. We would love to get your take on modern day filmmaking on our movies podcast. What would take to get you as a guest? And he just said, no, thank you. Uh, <laughs> uh, Which is, an hour listen. and a half, half later, by the way, very quick response. Uh, but yeah, he just said, no, thank you. Which is he, very nice. He seems to be constantly scrolling Instagram. He, I mean, if you message him, it's usually a sure bet he'll he'll send a reply. Uh, not always, but um, I mean, I've always gotten one. I know some people haven't. So I think yeah. the gift is that he said no thank. First of all, that he replied at all. Second, that he said no thank you, yeah. as opposed to some rude comment about your your mom or something. Which I've seen plenty of. The, people love to screen cap Gallo DMs and then upload. There's a whole Instagram dedicated to that. And uh, he gets very rude. He gets ruthless with people sometimes. Maybe I should have told him that uh, my co-host owns a pair of your pants uh, and wears them (laughs) (laughs) every time he watches your movies. (laughs) That, I think, would have sealed the deal. Uh, Speaking of Vincent Gallo, hey, do you think he's going to make a comeback or something soon? Do you think he's going to return to acting at any point? I keep wondering that. I keep sitting, sitting idle. Wondering if he'll ever make a resurgence. Right. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Don't, don't make me talk. This is, this is not. Yeah, he will. He's actually um, shooting a. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to say the little bit of information that we, we got on, on that. But, information. Uh, he's going to come back on a, on a very interesting on film. An episode sure. of Comfort Systems this fall. Yes. Yeah, the oh, the winter episode of that where he bits up his wife on it or something. It's actually similar. just cell phone footage we got uh, stalking Vincent Gallo. It was him uh, abusing a woman. 
Yeah, just sitting on a field and then he just punches a woman in the face. It's That's very artistic, very brown bunny. Yeah, his um, dick is out. Yeah. <laughs> so that's <laughs> his dick is out while he's smacking this woman like on uh, Tetro. Does that happen in Tetro? I don't think he assaults any women in Tetro. Yeah, he does. He throws a bunch of shit to one of them. Remember when he gets angry and he just starts throwing things at her? Oh, or what? He throws a couple of marbles at a woman suddenly? That's an abuse like- charge, please. Throws a couple of chairs and a desk at a woman. And suddenly, <laughs> suddenly, a woman out a window. <laughs> that's a, that's suddenly a death sentence. That's a jail sentence. I mean, come on, come on. Uh, <laughs> did you like the card counter more than First Reformed? No, no, not even no, not even close. I, I even the even though the the ending on First Reformed, uh, it's not as. Uh, obvious i guess like it's kind of open you know you you kind of have to figure it out what happened by yourself in this one it, it's uh it's not graphic enough i wish he would have shown the violence instead of not showing any of it and then just showing like screams and then he pops out all bloody because that interaction at the end with william Defoe i really liked uh it was very tense uh, but i I'm wondering why he decided to not show any of the violence of, or anything that ran happens. out of money. That's how I read that is the budget got uh, eaten up a little too quick. Yeah. But that, that's that was a little, that's yeah, an of. assumption of mine. And I know I I'm fairly certain that they had to stop filming on this movie due to COVID. Somebody got, or somebody in the crew wound up getting COVID and he was very upset about that. He wanted to keep going. So, I mean, it's possible that they shot that, during that time um, with little crew or whatever around and they just didn't have the, uh, the resources, but also he's not somebody who goes, well, that's not true. I was going to say, he doesn't get too gratuitous with the gore, but we see Ethan Hawke at the end of first reform wearing that vest. And that is certainly uh, gory. That that's, that's a very bloody scene. So. Well, he also has like when he whips himself or like hurts himself too, uh, at parts of that movie, I also thought that the, Ethan character, uh, Ethan Hawke character, there's less filler with that story. It's 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 everything is about him, uh, and you see his, uh, I guess, uh, his downfall or how he's going from being here to like where he ends up. This one has a lot of filler uh, from having the other two characters interact without him and just. Uh, the the whole subplot of uh, him trying to save this kid that fucks it all up at the end for reasons that we, I guess, uh, we're supposed to figure out that he's a, a wild kid, I guess, and then he gets killed. But uh, First Reform felt more focused on the Ethan Hawke character. So when that ending happens, you're kind of like, oh, well, fuck, okay. So that's, I guess, that's a cool ending for this character. But in this one... Um, I don't know. The ending felt a little like uh, dry hand jobby to me. You know, we're just like, oh, this is yeah. cool, but it's not as good as it could be. It's kind of like, it felt so when the uh, the Ty Sheridan character sends the text, wish you were. I was expecting that. What I wasn't expecting was um, that we go back to the hotel or whatever, and then we find out on the news he's been shot dead. I thought that was like a good punch to the heart for the movie. 
But everything that happens from the moment that the the protagonist leaves the card table onward, I agree. It feels a little rushed and not as thought out as the rest of the film. And this is something that I think Paul Schrader runs into pretty frequently whenever he is left to his own devices in these um, like mid-budget dramas that he has almost full creative control of. This this card counter movie has the same type of vibe to it that a lot of the movies that led up to First Reformed have, which is there's something a little off where it doesn't feel like I can concretely say it's a great film, although I would say that is the case with The Card Counter. I think this is a very good movie and one of the best movies of this year. But it I, doesn't I, – I don't think it sticks the landing uh, as well as it should, and it doesn't give the – the emotional payoff maybe of the yeah. Tiffany Haddish character visiting him in prison and them having, I guess that, that insinuating it was a meaningful relationship and not just a fling. Uh, it does, doesn't give it the, the kind of gravity that it should have as an ending. Which is, it's never shown really. They, they talk and it's awkward uh, throughout the movie and then they have sex. And then after that, they're in love, I guess. Uh, it's, it's not, I don't know. It, it never felt like a relationship to me. So when that happened at the end, that's why it made me laugh. Because I was like, oh, I, all right, I guess that's very cheesy. And uh, I guess we're supposed to believe that she cares for him now because they fucked. Well, yeah, Paul uh, Schrader, but, he's a romantic, you know? Right, yeah. He's a lover. He's a romantic lover, that man. Uh, but, um, yeah, especially... Uh, now, um, do you think that you would see this movie um, with the same eyes that you see it thinking that it's you know obviously one of the best of the year but which is not saying much uh if this came out on a better year for movies if we weren't in the middle of a pandemic if you had other options than this right. because r right now like sure compared to everything that's come out this year yeah i would definitely put it on top i don't know top five but definitely top 10 of everything i've seen uh, i've got it in my top three right now okay but but again, uh, compared to everything else, okay. But I I don't. I, I guess it just didn't really grab me like uh, something like First Reformed, which is that was his last one, right? Right. Before this, that was twenty eighteen. Yeah, where you know the, it wasn't a great year for movies either. Twenty eighteen, I don't think, but it was better. Oh, than I, I beg to differ. Uh, I, I mean, twenty eighteen was, was fine, uh, but compared to twenty twenty on, it's a terrific oh, yeah. year. I keep lists of um, every year. I keep a list of movies and I rank them. And uh, 2017 is an outstanding year. 2019 is an outstanding year. 2018 is not quite on the same level as those two, but it's definitely a very good year for movies. And, um, you know, we had that movie we had, you were never really here. Uh, I think three identical strangers, I think brawl mm -hmm. and cell block 99, which I know you're not a fan of, but uh, I thought that was a, great film that might have been Hereditary. that year could have been 2017 there's yeah, there's tons Rampage, of a quiet place the nun you got pacific rim uprising you got jurassic world <laughs> um aquaman was in 2018 the mag oceans eight uh bird box was 2018 remember bird box so the blockbusters uh, were still the same <laughs> level of shit but we were getting some good art house movies during that time. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess to answer your question, my gut instinct would tell me that in a normal year, and I'm considering normal 
2017 to 2019, right? Before COVID, yeah. I would say that this kind of film would probably fall more in a mid-tier, high mid-tier, maybe. I'm. It could be top 10. It really depends on what the rest of that field looks like. But it would probably be closer to the bottom of the top 10, like 8 to 20, you know? Or maybe 18 think, 16 is more accurate. I think if you're a fan of his films, uh, you would enjoy this. Uh, I, I'm a fan of some of them, but I'm not... Com- like completely familiar with all of his work so uh i i get some bits and pieces of of uh, the movies that we've talked about in here and uh i see some of the things that he does and f- feels very much like a paul schrader movie but it just didn't have the the same pull that something like first reformed had for me uh the character i, I just wish we saw more of his traumatic experience in the army uh and that the the poker bit wasn't the 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 main plot of the movie maybe i would have been more invested there uh and i also feel like the willem dafoe character was very underused which always happens with him when he just plays like a little role because he's always great i wish we had seen more of him uh being the piece of shit that he's supposed to be uh the killing of the the boy uh, being off screen felt kind of a cheat to me. Uh, the fact that they said that he went in with what, like a BB gun or something to try to scare the guy or whatever. And then he got killed like that. was kind of like, oh, all right, but uh, I don't know. I, I just wasn't invested in, in that part of the story. I, I didn't care about that character or that character getting salvation. It was more of, uh, you know, the journey that this uh, Oscar Isaac, car- what's his name? Uh, he uses like a, a pseudonym. Uh, uh, fuck, what's the Oscar's character? Uh, Isaac, uh, William Tell. William Tell. Uh, the the William Tell character. Uh, you know, this is a journey that he's trying to save someone because I guess he still feels guilty about uh, torturing people in Abu Ghraib. But uh, the the performance and the, just that character, I just didn't care, and their relationship never really felt like anything important or interesting uh the one scene where he scares him in the hotel kind of uh didn't go far enough for me to believe that this guy was actually invested in saving this boy or whatever it was all of the the conversations that they had felt very um uh just not i I guess they never really had like a a a deep conversation or, or anything that you would that would make me care for their relationship or, or that relationship between those two, that would make the ending make sense. Uh, and, and then these with- two characters are so like emotionally shut off. It, it, it's a strange for these two types of characters that almost mirror each other in a, in a, in a way where they just come across very autistic, but it comes out in different ways. They make sense as a pair, but you probably wouldn't pair these two types of characters traditionally in a film. You would want somebody who's going to be a little more uh, full of life, I guess, to bring out the Oscar Isaac character's personality uh, a little stronger than what we wind up getting. But I think it's probably more the opposite. I mean, we get a little bit of that around the time of the prison sequence when he refuses to go inside to visit. And then they're talking afterward and they're discussing a potential plan. And it becomes clear that the William Tell character is not interested in going along with whatever Kirk, that's the name of it, Kirk with a C, is uh, planning. Cirque. Cirque. 
So I, 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 I listen. I, those parts of the movie I didn't mind so much. I certainly didn't believe Oscar Isaac as an intimidating character when he's trying to threaten the kid into going to talk to his mom or whatever he has in mind. He wants to set this kid right so he doesn't go down the same path that yeah. he went down and f- fuck his life up. But obviously he does that. He's got a one track mind. Uh, he has strictly revenge in his, uh, you know, in his sights and he fails at doing that. But does he re? but that, that's the thing. Uh, I guess my disconnection with the, the Oscar Isaac character is that he's like a successful poker player that could be making money or whatever. I know he doesn't find that really fulfilling, which is why he attaches himself to this kid. But at the same time, um, someone that goes through what he went through or supposedly went through by torturing people and then rebelling against it, he didn't seem broken enough to me. Like he felt, like you said, he just feels autistic. Like he just feels like he's very like a method of what I do and I do this thing and I write on my book every day, uh, writing about people that I interact with during the day, which is, I think what he was doing. Um, and I cover my entire hotel room uh, with blankets to, I guess, like you said, well, like you were uh, thinking it's the reason why, because like you said, Paul Schrader didn't really think much about that. <laughs> uh, uh, so that's interesting, but also he never really felt like a broken character to me. Like, I never felt like he was a guy that couldn't just rescue his life or get over this thing and, and get along with whatever, you know? Uh, so so when he gets this project of this kid where he doesn't want him to end up in the same path as him, which he couldn't because he's not in the military, he's not going to be torturing anyone. Um, that I don't know, that, that connection there didn't really work for me because he you never really see him in the dumps. Uh, when he's in jail, he seems to be in control of everything to the point where he's uh, baiting other people to beat him up and being successful even at that. Uh, so it, it felt like a character that was very in control of everything that was around him, uh, even at the end where he plans everything perfectly to kill the Defoe character. So so he never felt like that guy that was just about to lose it or about to break or about to, you know, fuck everything up uh i guess that's where that disconnection was uh for me he comes across as a character that's very manchester by the sea the casey affleck Mm. character in that film who burned his children to death and that's why he but it makes sense for that character for this oscar isaac character obviously if you go through that sort of ordeal where you have to reckon with the fact that you were torturing people and then you take the blame for that for everybody else. You're essentially the, the scapegoat. Sure, that's going to fuck you up. And I, I don't think he's as hollowed out as that Casey Affleck character is. But the two trajectories are, are pretty similar. It's like we're going to have the younger character and he has a chance to potentially mold this this young man and, and help set things right after something bad has happened. Uh, but he fails. And um, I mean, I don't really... I don't know if I know what Paul Schrader was trying to communicate with that and him going back to uh, the Willem Dafoe character to kind of fulfill that mission and get his own revenge. revenge. Yeah. And then he just, I mean, this character is clearly more comfortable in prison. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's a comeuppance of, of some kind. But I mean, what, what is he really saying about that is, oh, you once you once you once you do the thing, you can't really escape from the thing. 
exactly yeah and 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 uh the fact that they made him so ocd about everything um like he never loses it even even when he's at the foe's house his hair is still perfect his clothes are perfect like he's never out of control uh so i i didn't believe his tortured character that he's supposed to be for that reason we never really see him lose his even when he when he's against that usa russian guy uh he's very controlled very in his head very in control of everything so i don't know i wish maybe a little bit wilder maybe it showed me a little bit more of how broken this guy is but the brokenness of him was i go play cards i have a drink i talk to this couple of people uh, then i go back to my room and i write in my book and then the next day i do it all over again uh, and then i start remembering awful things that i did in in abu grave uh but at no point you see him losing his shit or showing that he was actually a damaged character other than on his I guess OCD that you can call it. Uh, so I, I was, that's a little disconnected there. Uh, I, I didn't believe that um, he wasn't in control of his life or, or that he couldn't, you know, just live on regular, maybe, maybe not regular life because that's still obviously affecting him uh, what he did, but he was a successful card player. You know, he, he never lost a game uh, and I'm not very familiar with poker. I, I, I've never, I don't think I've ever played it, um, but he you never see him struggle in the games either um he's always in control even though he i don't think he wins every time but there's never a conflict between him and another character that might cause him to maybe lose it or cause him to maybe show some type of anything uh he's friendly with a couple of them that come and talk to him that he's played with before uh but you you never see a side of him where he's you know not in control well uh, again if we're comp- no the i mean the title and he's he's kind of cheating at the game he's got an ability to accurately predict what cards are going to come up and um that's obviously against the rules but how right. do you prevent that how i mean the best you can do is try to monitor who has that ability and who doesn't so he i mean yeah he's constantly getting in like the top two or three of every single poker tournament that he winds up in. And he's got this, um, this idea of, well, you want to continually win small hands. So you don't get noticed, which is pretty smart. Yeah. And then the Tiffany Haddish character eventually baits him to do world series of poker or whatever the, uh, the equivalent of this was for the movie and wear a dumb t-shirt and everything else. So yeah, he, I mean, I, I guess that's also part of it too, is he's endured so much that he's just, shut off to these sorts of stakes where it doesn't really matter so much. He He's more uh, set in the mentality of the only thing that really matters is maybe life and death and, and how, what controls or, or outlines your life and not really money. He doesn't seem to have any money troubles, especially if he's staying yeah. in hotel rooms for indefinite periods of time. That, that certainly adds up. That's expensive. Even if well, it, it's a piece of shit like yeah, Motel yeah. 8 Hotel. <laughs> it's like a Motel 6. Yeah. That, <laughs> hey, listen, that's still 170 you're burning a day, depending on where you're staying. What? So, yeah. Wow. The last time I said in one of those, it was like 40 bucks. Oh, jeez. <laughs> when was that? Where was that? That was early 2000s, I guess. Well, that, hold on. You're talking almost 20 years ago now. If you, yeah. Listen, you can get Motel room. You can get like a... A pretty okay 
motel. I mean, not a place I would sleep ever, but a, like an okay <laughs> motel room. Yeah, for maybe eighty bucks maybe? a night yeah. out in the Midwest. I'm pretty sure when I was looking at Kansas hotels, and they were like seventy five bucks for for like a like a Holiday Inn type hotel room. I was like, what? Are you kidding me? But you try to get one. Listen, you try to get one in. What I won't even say New York. You try to get one in Boston. That's going to be two hundred yeah. a night. Yeah, which is why we're moving the production of Mass State Lottery to Kansas. That's right. That's reshoots. what that is. It's just it's more reshoots in disguise. This movie's a fucking mess. We need to reshoot the movie. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I guess that's that's where that disconnection was. And again, especially if you compare it to First Forum, which I guess I, I made the mistake of doing while watching this, that character shows his vulnerability so many times throughout the movie uh the fact that he's hurting himself the fact that he's a drunk or becomes an alcoholic to put up with everything that's going through in his life shows that he's very flawed and not in complete control of his life and then obviously the ending uh whereas here um yeah he's he seems to be in control of everything and very reserved and very successful to a point i guess like he's following his plan like you said where he's just winning enough money to survive and not you know have any money issues so i don't know i didn't feel there was a struggle there uh the struggle was created by himself uh taking care of this kid and getting involved with the kid that he didn't know and refused to listen to him and ended up doing the thing he didn't want him to do so that felt kind of superficial i guess it didn't have the connection that I had with uh, with the first reform character, which again, maybe my mistake was that that I, instead of trying to just see it as his own entity, I tried comparing it to his last movie, and uh, maybe that's why I didn't end up enjoying it as much as I did. Well, where does this as movie rank so. for you when it comes to Paul Schrader's films? Did you enjoy this movie more than any of his movies, or because it seems like your 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 general feeling on it is lukewarm? Like I would probably say closer to a four than a six, if you're well, even yeah, Steven. Yeah. I liked it better than the Canyons. Uh, oh, <laughs> I liked geez. it better than Doggy Dog. Uh, I've been meaning to revisit the Canyons. I tried to find that on um, Amazon Prime, but you got to pay for it. And also, for whatever reason, the Blu-ray of it is expensive. It is a pricey Blu-ray. I saw like a used one for fifteen bucks. But I was like, you, I want a used what? one for fifteen bucks. <laughs> For the canyons? But Are I, you kidding me? Yeah, so the, I, the thing is that he ha, he has such a great filmography that uh, yeah, American Gigolo not better than hardcore. I didn't like uh, even though it was a lookworm with blue collar. I, I don't know if I liked it better than that. I like Patty Hearst better, Mishima much better, um, Autofocus. Oh well, Dominion definitely better than Dominion. <laughs> That's not even finished. That's not a finished film. I, I have it about uh I have it in the top six, which I've seen fifteen I've seen sixteen of his films. Uh for me, it goes Mishima. That's the best one. I don't even think it's close. I think that is uh such a classy movie, such a timeless movie, and it captures that um historical character very well. Uh then I think the best like Paul Schra- like proper Paul Schrader film because I don't even Mishima feels like a Paul Schrader film but it feels so elevated maybe that that's because you have uh, Spielberg and Lucas producing it it's set in Japan you got the um, God who did the uh, the costume design and the set design that Japanese woman who did uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula in, in the cell okay 
very distinct look. So, the, I mean, that's just on another level. But the, I think the best, like, Paul Schrader, as we know him, film is probably hardcore. Because then you also mm-hmm. have George C. Scott losing his shit. And you got Peter Boyle playing a seedy private detective. And, it yeah. like, it embodies so much of what he's about very well. Uh, yeah. American Gigolo is number three for me, even though I don't think the... I think that movie falls apart. I think the third act is kind of silly where uh, he's going to kill Bill Duke and he goes to prison for that and he's being set up. Like, I kind of like the idea of setting a gigolo up for murder. I think right. that's interesting, but it doesn't really go into a productive place. But the movie itself is so rich with character that uh, it ranks high for me. It's also an interesting Richard Gere performance. Autofocus is next, gets clever with the editing there, makes Greg Kinnear interesting, which is a very difficult task. I also Willem Dafoe is very fun as his like jerk off buddy, creep, pervert, yeah. kind of gay, kind of bi guy. Uh, First Reformed is number five for me for all the reasons we've already talked about on the show. Then I have the card counter. Card com- card counter is number six for me. I kind of see that as a companion piece to First Reformed, even though I don't think it's as good. I think these movies like fit well as brother and sister. Um, then I got Patty Hearst, Dog Eat Dog, Adam Resurrected. Light Sleeper, Dying of the Light, Dark, Dominion, and Dominion really kicks off the piece of shit tier. The Canyons, Cat People, which, to be fair, I should probably give a second chance to. I saw that like 15 years ago, um, and I remember thinking, this is just like a bad werewolf movie with cats. Well, you like the Canyons better than Blue Collar? I haven't watched Blue Collar. Oh, okay. I strategically remained silent during our retrospective at the very beginning when everybody was talking about blue collar. It's just a lot of, Hmm. Hmm. I see. Okay. Taxi driver. Um, and then the, the worst one that I've watched is the comfort of strangers, which is, um, so dull. And for whatever reason, it's the criterion collection. Uh, that's Christopher Walken, Rupert Everett, Natasha Richardson, and Helen Mirren. Wow. Yeah, yeah, no idea. Couple retreat to Venice to work on their relationship. Sounds great. Uh, <laughs> sounds uh, sounds like a not not a Paul Schrader movie. It was. Uh, it, it's uh, just very boring. It's got nice scene, like nice backdrop. Just a dull film. Not not for me. Um, maybe I didn't give it a fair shot. I don't know. Not interested in finding out personally. Now let's pretend that uh, the movies he wrote, you can also put in this same category of his movies. Where would you sure. rank? Where would you rank Taxi Driver and Raging Bull? And and hold on, Life, Last Temptation of Christ, which I think is great, at least when I saw it a couple of years ago. Because uh, then you have, well, Yakuza, never seen it. Obsession, is that the Polanski one? Oh, no, the Palma. All right, never seen that one either. Brian De Palma uh, did a, what, what year is that? 76. Okay, so that's before Brian De Palma fully becomes Brian De Palma. Uh, I haven't seen the Yakuza. I've heard good things about it. I've been meaning to check it out. They just added it to HBO Max recently. So that might be something to uh, give a look to. I watched... Okay, so I'm, I'm looking at the um, at his IMDb for, for writing credit. He has one coming out that he wrote but did not direct. That should be interesting. The Jesuit? Yeah, um, I, I've seen... I have seen Bringing Out the Dead, which I think is a good, especially like a, a really good late 90s movie that captures that time period quite well. The Mosquito Coast with Harrison Ford playing like a like a 
kind of a shitty guy, a bad guy. Have you seen that? No. It's him and I think uh, River Phoenix. And that movie's not particularly good, but it's an interesting Harrison Ford starring role because he plays off type in that movie. He's kind of a wormy nerd guy and he's got like devious intentions, but he does. I don't even know if he's fully aware of his own intentions and he's taking advantage of um, like an African village and he tries to bring snow to them and it all goes bad. It's, it's an, <laughs> it's an interesting movie, but it's not particularly good. It's a good Harrison Ford performance. Uh, Last Temptation of Christ. That's one I've been meaning to revisit uh, because I've been on a John Lurie kick. I was watching Fishing with John and I uh, finished his autobiography, The History of Bones. And he's in that movie. I think is uh, I forget who he was. It like Pontius Pilate or was it Harvey Keitel? He plays somebody. So I, I, I that one is actually very good. Um, but I I would want to rewatch it. I would here, here's how I'd rank them. I would say Taxi Driver is probably the best one. Then Last Temptation of Christ. Then Raging Bull. Bringing Out the Dead, and then the Mosquito Coast. No, but I mean, oh, if you... and Rolling Thunder. Yeah. I also I have Rolling Thunder. That was a. I think that's a disappointing film. I think it has interesting ideas, which is the dude essentially teaching himself to uh he, he becomes like a it's like a it's like a uh god how can i put it he's kind of like a cuckold to violence like he teaches himself to like the violence that enters his life you know so he his wife and his kids are murdered but he teaches himself to like the he's he's a like a sadomasochist <laughs> or something it's, it's it's so strange but i mean it makes sense like there's a there's a dark dark logic to what's going on in that movie but i don't think it ever becomes as interesting as the ideas it has so i'd probably rank that last do you think the movies he writes are better than the ones he directs no okay no i don't i think that um martin scorsese is a fine director and those films are probably timeless because of scorsese's direction but i don't think that has anything to do with him being inferior in his own hands I, I would rank Mishima up there with Taxi Driver and with a film like Raging Bull. So, I mean, I, he's certainly capable, but I think Mark, Martin Scorsese just has better sensibilities because he's a director first, writer second. I mean, does he even write? I don't think he does. He certainly doesn't anymore. He's too old. But What is he doing now? What's he up to now? Uh, he's working on what's probably going to be his final movie, which is... Um, was it the flower moon killers or if that's got DiCaprio and Robert De Niro back, it, it could be good. I look, he, he, he's always base level, like five, five out of 10 minimum. So I'm sure it'll be plenty watchable. I haven't seen uh silence. The, uh, the film about the priests in Japan being persecuted. I haven't seen that, but I, I mean, well, everything before you, before you get shit on, the comments of this uh he did write goodfellas and mean streets uh, and casino well that's listen that's fine and all did he have a co-writer because goodfellas is based on a book by the real life henry hill character well because i'm pretty sure he did a draft yeah Uh, goodfellas is also uh based on a book but he's the only one that's listed as a 
writer. Hmm. Uh, mean Streets has a, a someone else, Mardik Martin, I'm not familiar with at all, but um, who apparently wrote Raging Bull, New York, New York, and Mean Streets with him. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I just wanted to, before you get roasted in the comments, because you're saying that he never wrote anything. You got those two big ones there, I guess. Well, what what, what you have to show for that to, to uh, counter my claim is a bunch of uh, things that have source material, so he might just, he might just be one of those guys, which is fine. Yeah. I don't think I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You don't need to be a writer director. Oftentimes, uh, you know, there are certain certainly some directors that I think excel with other people's material. Scorsese's probably one of them. I, I would say that uh, Refn might be one of them. Where you take a look at Drive, and that's a very minimalist script, and he brings out the most in that. But when he writes his own shit. That ain't the same refin as 1990s refin. It's right. a little more pretentious. So it really varies. Uh, with Schrader, he he's he's a he's a good screenwriter. He's probably one of the better working screenwriters. He's a legacy screenwriter and director. But uh, I I mean, on the whole, he's probably going to be recognized in death more as a screenwriter than than filmmaker, maybe. Because of but, those big movies that he wrote in early in his career, yeah, yeah, certainly, certainly not as an actor. His one acting credit is El Greco and Doggy Dog. I remember he played a mob boss in that movie just because he couldn't find someone to cast that day. I guess <laughs> that's pretty good. Uh, there is a great documentary for anyone out there who has the Criterion Channel app that Alex yeah, Ross Perry the, did. It's called The Devil and Father Amor. That's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but proceed with, you know, it's Halloween. You don't want to get too spooked watching the devil mm-hmm. and father of Morth and seeing the true evil yeah. that is in this world. So, uh, no. What's the documentary? <laughs> what's the what's the actual good one? <laughs> I think it's called, jeez, uh, is I, I hope yeah, this is the right one. Paul Schrader, Man in the Man in a Room, by Alex Ross Perry, uh, who has directed quite a few notable films. He was a mumblecore director who excelled to the point of, I think, directing some popular children's film. Maybe he directed like Clifford or something. Or Pat- no, he didn't do Paddington. He did Pooh. Maybe he did one of the- maybe he did Christopher Robin, the movie, something like that. He wound up doing a, a like a big film and then he just kind of disappeared, petered out. But he did this documentary in 2020. It is extremely amusing because you get into Paul Schrader's psyche when he's online. And understand that he oh. takes Ambien and uh, he <laughs> gets in trouble. He gets scolded by people behind the scenes. So uh, check that out. That's a good companion piece to the, the card counter. Uh, I think we're, I think we're good for this movie. Yeah, I think the next step is just to get Paul in the show. Ah, that would be terrific. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility either. I think that would just be a matter of catching him on the right day, and maybe when he yeah. has the right project out or right mix of drugs that he's taken or the right mix of drugs i mean listen this close this close folks to getting abel ferrera okay he was doing he did somebody else's podcast he didn't do our podcast he said what time and i said the wrong time that's all it came down to very sad maybe during the shia labeouf priest movie he got stuckmanized instead of. <laughs> Could you imagine what that exchange would be like? Yes, I actually, you know, I would, I would watch that episode. 
I, I would prefer that. I would prefer, I would rather see him on Chris Duckman's YouTube channel than on this show. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. I hope he gets them. <laughs> that would be an enjoyable hour or, or, you know, 20 minutes, however long it takes for him to get sick of Stuckman and, you know, bow out. Uh, but yeah, I think we've, we've covered this movie. Um, uh, if I had to give it a, uh, one to five, I'd say three. Well, hold, hold on, I hold didn't... on, hold on, hold on. Yeah. Here's what I want to yeah. know. You said that this is probably like mid-tier or bottom tier for this year, right? No, no. Or, no, no, maybe, no maybe, I, all right, I'm putting words in your mouth. You didn't say bottom tier, yeah. but you seem you seem like this isn't in my top four or five. What, what has Ooh, been released this, this year that you be think tough. is better than this? That's tough because I can't think of many 2021 movies that I've seen. Uh I've seen Jungle Cruise. <laughs> I've seen uh, Suicide Squad. I saw the Tomorrow War. I saw Mortal Kombat, Space Jam. You know what? Yeah, top probably top three from movies that I've wow. seen this year just because I've seen so many just terrible movies. Why are you watching these bad movies? Is this just because of your significant other? You got to have something to throw on the TV? No, I just, uh, I, I don't know. It's just like, we, sometimes Jungle just watch Cruise. Netflix, whatever's on Netflix. Tomorrow, Jungle Cruise, I watched, are you kidding? That's... Yeah, Jungle Cruise was all right. <laughs> I was in my Goonies kick, and I was like, let's watch this. And it was, it was, I didn't hate it. Uh, so Blood Red Sky, which was a piece of shit. What uh, is that? Uh, it's uh, a movie that all happens in the air on a plane uh, where there's a woman that's like a vampire or like a, yeah, like, like a vampire, but she injects herself so that she doesn't become a vampire. And then the plane gets taken over by terrorists. Uh, and then she becomes a vampire and kills them all. It's wow. Really that sounds yeah, amazing. It's, that's it's, that's quite the premise. Wow. That, that's not where I was expecting it to go. I thought, oh, it's a vampire woman on a plane. And then it's going to be, really, it's going to be nighttime and they're all going to get bit or whatever. No, there is. Isla- what do you do if you're an Islamicist? Because what is it? Crosses what away the vampires. <laughs> Do you, do you break out the prayer rug and start Allahuing Akbar to get rid of the vampire? It stars the other guy from Prison Break, uh, Dominic Purcell. He's like the main bad guy. Uh, and then there's a character that's like a flight attendant that's very gay and flamboyant, and then he becomes the Joker in the movie. So that's <laughs> that's, oh, that's, that's that's great. Yeah, it's a piece of well, that's the thing. Um, you know when when those Netflix movies come out and then there's a lot of hype about how scary this is and how oh my god, a great horror movie, finally whatever. And then you watch it and it's like the dumbest fucking thing. Like the easiest, like the thing you can see coming a mile away. It's just like they're not gonna do that. And they do it and you're like, oh fucking who's giving these people money? Uh so it's that type of movie. Uh are there where we are there any recognizable faces in this movie uh besides prison break guy hmm. uh, no i don't think so i can't remember of anyone that was memorable enough the girl kind of the main character is a girl she kind of looks like the uh numi rapace whatever how you, however you pronounce her name damn uh, there's but a so lot many of girls the... there's so many actresses from like 2013 that just disappeared I was thinking about yeah. when I was watching No Time to Die, that girl from Blue is the Warmest Color. First of all, the better looking girl from Blue is the Warmest Color had no career after that movie. They all embraced the ugly bitch from that film, the fucking squirrel faced lesbian whore from that movie. 
Wait, you um, saw No Time to Die? Yes. I saw a bootleg of it. I saw a cam of it. And uh, let me tell you, what a cute title that is, huh? How funny is that title, folks? Oh, because... I was, listen, dies. I was I was kind of... Uh, I was kind of, Listen, I... Does he, I wait, wait, hold on. Before he dies, does he go, I guess it is time to die? <laughs> <laughs> you should have wrote this script, Hans. This would have made the movie so much better. I'm not... Listen, I'm not into James Bond at all. I don't no, really like maybe. James... I, every couple of years, I will try. Because I'm like, one of these days, and that was the case with Twin Peaks, where I was like, this isn't the right time for me. This isn't the right time for me. Let me try it this time. Oh, I love Twin Peaks now. Every so often, I will see, I'll, I'll understand, this is a me problem. This is just not the connection I'm capable right. of having right now with a series or with an album or whatever it might be. And then I'll come around to it and be like, wow, okay, I get it. So with the, the Bond series, I've done this for like... 10 years now because i've never liked james bond mm. the the closest I, I i checked out um what was it tomorrow never dies or, or no that was uh pierce brosnan pierce, right yeah specter uh, no i didn't i didn't uh, check Cassino out Royale. Oh, okay I, I, no, so here, not, i eventually got around to some of those so i started with um maybe it's tomorrow's not enough i, I think i'm fairly certain tomorrow's in the time it was a sean connery one it was a very old Sean Connery one. I was randomly gifted like a $5 DVD of this movie because I mentioned in passing I wanted to get into James Bond. And I watched it. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a, a, a fun movie. It's from like the 60s Wait, or 70s. The, okay, the, that Tomorrow one is Tomorrow Never Dies. That's with Pierce Tomorrow Brosnan. Never Dies. That's Pierce oh. Brosnan, though. That's oh, not... oh, okay. So what, are, what am I thinking of? Let's see. Uh... Dr. No from Russia with Love, Goldfinger, Thunderball, You Only Live Twice, uh, On Her Majesty's Secret Service, Diamonds Are Forever, Live It, Let Die, The Man with the Golden Gun, The Spy Who Loved Me, Moonraker, For Your Eyes Only, Octopussy. No, it was none of those. Damn. Maybe, maybe it was definitely Sean Connery era. It was, it was before he came back. That's another one I'm interested in checking out. Because that's the only time in the series history, aside from that Woody Allen Casino Royale, where they opted to do, well, where they had no choice really, uh, but to let another company make a Bond film. And it came out the same year as one of the Roger Moore ones, I'm fairly certain. Well, the Sean Connery ones are Dr. No, Russia, from Russia with Love, Goldfinger, Thunderball, You Only Live Twice, and Diamonds I think it was, Are Forever. I think it might have been Diamonds Are Forever. I think it might have been that. that or, That's the or last one, yeah, seven yeah. one. So I, I checked that out, really enjoyed it, and then I eventually got around to uh, Casino Royale, the Daniel Craig one, and I was like, "All right, that's that's a good movie with with Mads Mikkelsen as a bad guy." Yeah. And then I checked out Die Another Day with Pierce Brosnan <laughs> and Madonna. Yeah, holy fuck, that movie was a completely. That was like the Batman and Robin of the Bond movies. I couldn't believe how bad that was. And then I, I decided to give Spectre a try because that was, there was like talk about that being nominated for best picture or whatever. And uh, may, maybe, maybe it was nominated. I, I don't, I don't recall. Uh, I, I think it might've been, but um, I checked that out and that had Javier Bardem as the gay bad guy. who's like, no, that's uh, Skyfall. Excuse me then. I check out Skyfall. Yeah. I think Skyfall was Skyfall nominated for Best Picture. 
I think he was. I think Bardem was nominated. Um, let's see. I feel yeah, like Academy I feel awards, cinematography, original score, original song, editing, and mixing. But not best picture. Deakins, no, because Roger Deakins was the cinematographer. I remember that year they were making a big fuss about James Bond because it was like the birthday of James Bond, and they were doing a a big honorary thing, and that I, it kind of gave. Were any of these movies nominated for best picture? He won a BAFTA. What what the yeah. fuck is that? What what is that worth? They give BAFTAs to TV shows. Yeah, it's just like a British institution, I guess. Uh, I'm not a a huge fan either. I you can't say that in England, which I I learned the the hard way, uh, because when Skyfall came out, I was still living there, and uh, I wouldn't see it, and I was like, okay, this is it's fine. I just don't get why there's like 20 movies of these very shallow whatever character that's like, you know, he's like a, a, a sexy man that uh, it's very uh, good with ladies and he likes his martini. Uh, what is it? Shaken, not stirred or whatever. But the action is always kind of like whatever. Like the action is not impressive ever. And uh, I checked out one of the early ones and I, they they have a definitely have a different charm because of the sets and uh, the action uh, just has that 70s uh, 60s feels feel to it but uh so does fucking get smart so i mean it's not much, it's not much of a of a compliment you know uh, i've never understood why this is such a beloved franchise uh that spawned so many what how many films are there uh well, there's so, about like, fucking... 30 now um so uh, and I, now it's going to be also it was not like. Spectre that I checked out. It was definitely Skyfall, which was the Javier Bardem one. That's from uh, 2012, and yeah. I just could not get into that. It seemed a little too silly for me, a little too over, the, especially compared to Casino Royale, where that's played. I mean, pretty straight. It's um, it's it, it's more like a dude who's just a hitman, yeah. and uh, I I kind of dug the vibe of that. Anyway, I um, I checked out a review of No Time to Die from a trusted YouTube critic, James Hancock. And he said, this is just kind of in the middle. It's not good. It's not bad. It's not as bad as people would lead you to believe. It's not as good as people would lead, lead you to believe. And um, the ending takes a big swing. And I thought, they're killing James Bond. I got to check this movie out. And I checked the movie out, and I'm sorry for everybody who's a, a big Bond head who's checking this out, thinking they weren't going to get spoiled on the new James Bond. He's, he fucking dies. They kill James Bond. But here's the thing. First of all, they infect James Bond. So he's infected by the Rami Malek character, who just kind of seems weaselly. He's not very uh, he gets, intimidating. He he, he, it's, essentially, <laughs> it's essentially AIDS. I think Armin White had the joke. He, had, he came down with COVID and died. Uh, so this this is a contagious disease. He can't go meet with his daughter and his girlfriend, who is the ugly lesbian from Blue is the Warmest Color. And um, then he's telling Q, who apparently is gay, wait a minute, I can't leave the island. Just, just tell my, I put my wife on the phone or whatever. And then they they do the Dark Knight Rises ending and they drop the bomb on the island he's at and he's dead. But if they wanted to do another one, you could very easily be like, he was hiding in the fridge, like Indiana Jones in part four. <laughs> Why couldn't he leave the island? 
He chose not to. He chose, I'm infected with the disease. There's no cure for the disease. I don't want to infect my daughter or my wife. I'll stay here. I'll die. So he dies. He gets nuked. But again, you don't see the corpse. So you could look if Daniel Craig decided, what am I going to do now? Like all the Bonds realize they don't. I mean, Bond like Superman. Once you play that role, you're fucked. You're boxed well, Sean in. Connery. Sean Connery is the only Sean one. Sean Connery is the one exception. That, right? Yeah, absolutely. All right. That, that, that's fair. Uh, also, what was it? Timothy Dalton. Timothy yeah. Dalton has had kind of an he interesting career. Mm-hmm. He was in, well, he was the one in Hot Fuzz, wasn't he? Yes. Yeah. And he's a good, like slimy James Bond. So, uh, but generally that, that's such like a, just like a boring bland like what, what not the character the character is not boring or bland but it calls for a pretty stripped down individual to play that role and you don't really get too much work after that because you're always james bond just like right. you're always superman um well i don't know pierre brosnan has those mamma mia movies right <laughs> very successful i stand corrected <laughs> also uh yeah. you were right so uh skyfall won best picture at the baftas so even if the BAFTA is a nonsense award that means nothing, that's a pretty big deal. Um, does he pass the mantle to the next Bond? Who's the girl? Black woman blonde Bond. The one he, the one he's riding the bike with in the backseat. Mm, mm, the back, the back of the bus. Is that what you're saying? Is no, aren't they, they, they riding a? No, I just. Remember. Jesus, I didn't even connect those two. No, uh, because I, I there's a, a very famous screenshot that came out of this movie where he's riding a bike, but he's on the backseat and the black girl is riding the bike and he's just like holding her. Mm. Does that happen in the movie? No, she's 007. Okay. So kind of, kind of in that way. But the number is irrelevant. Like, uh, okay, so this movie just didn't do it for me. It was boring. And I didn't like the ending. I thought it, it, they went half-hearted. They should have just uh, let him like full on down. We should have saw a charred corpse and everything. In my opinion. What do you think of your boy, Kari Fukunaga? Fukunaga? Kari Fukunaga? Kari Hari. I think um, it was a big mistake taking this movie because I, I feel like he had real potential as a director. And the minute you do any movie like this, you just um, neutered yourself. You can never be a... I was, I listen, I think it's a bigger loss. I think it would have been a bigger loss if Danny Boyle had directed this film, mm. which he was so close to doing. And I know John Hodge, who was his go to guy who wrote Train Spotting and Train Spotting 2, and I think A Life Less Ordinary, maybe Shallow Grave as well, uh, his frequent collaborator. He originally wrote a script. They were going to go full speed ahead with that. And then, of course, Ion or whatever the, the name of the company is that owns Bond was like, no, 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 no. Uh, we have a strict set of rules here. You can't just do whatever you want with the Bond character. So Danny Boyle, even in like pre-production, when they were getting close to starting the movie, was like, uh, I'm, I'm good. I don't need to be micromanaged. So he hopped yeah, out. Yeah. I think he's a, a greater talent, but it's also hard to say because Kerry Fukunaga has such a limited filmography. So it's like he ruined, he sullied his, what promise he had as a filmmaker. So I, I mean, it is what it is. Um, I wasn't impressed. This is probably the worst thing I've seen from him. Although I wasn't thrilled with Maniac, the Netflix show either. I thought that was kind of flailing. Um, 
but what what I meant to say was I checked this out. It was like a two out of five, in my opinion. And then I, I, I was just still randomly in a Bond mood in spite of that. Because I was like, this, this is whatever it is. They're going to give it to Chiwetel Ejiofor or whoever next. They'll, they won't do Idris Elba, Black Bond. They can't do yeah. that because it's so desired that they won't do it. Um, well, you already have Luther, right? You seen Luther pretty much that character. Have you ever seen that series, Luther? Yeah, Lu- listen, Luther season one was good, but the, it suffers the same problem as all like the BBC mm-hmm. dramas, which is they get silly with it. They get a little too over the top. Like Sherlock. Sherlock, for example, had the potential to be a good show with those two. And if they took it seriously, but they never take it seriously. They can't get like the stink of Doctor Who off the network where uh. they'd have to embrace cheese <laughs> and do fan yeah. service. And it's pure faggotry it fucking sucks so those aren't even like real shows I'm like, what it's three episodes it's a three episode season okay this is a junior tv series it's just it's um, three movies yeah right and they're all 90 minutes like you don't this isn't how a tv show is 42 minutes stop it like even look at squid game which i enjoyed suffers the same problem as any korean show which is they do 59 minutes so stop that do 42 minutes. It's so much easier to get through. Um, okay. Because, all right, I'm not, I'm not even going to get into it because we're going to do an episode on that. No, 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 uh, go ahead. We're, this, this could be a bonus episode at this point. I could chop the tail of this off and make it its own thing. Well, no, I just, like, I'm up to episode five, I think. And uh, I really enjoyed up to episode four. And then on episode four, it just becomes an anime where the bad guys are untouchable and we're very cartoony bad guys and the main bad guy is like uh, i'm a bad guy and i'm gonna beat all of you up ha, ha, ha. what are you gonna do about it type of thing and that that kind of turned me off a lot because uh is episode four first, uh, correct they, me if they, i'm wrong um, when they is, go killing people at night killing turn off the lights you know they turn off the oh, lights right and then, no 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 yeah. listen I, I had episode four and episode five confused. Episode five gets hardcore. Episode five, I wasn't into episode four either. I, I, I mean, I felt my attention waning during that episode. Mm-hmm. And then episode five comes around. I was like, oh, oh, th- that's this kind of show. That's this, yeah. what this is. Well, and, when, they, uh, when they reveal a little bit of what's actually happening, right? No. Uh, organs and all that. You, have, you haven't watched episode five yet, right? I, I think I was in the middle of it before we started recording this. So, right, so it's where, it, but it's where they're, um, what are they playing? Marvels? Yeah, I haven't seen that. Okay. That's all right. All right. So I'm not going to yeah. say anything, but that's, okay. then my opinion of the show, um, which I already had a good opinion of, but then it got cranked up. So you're, it's, you're it, in store for that. I, I think visually it's great. I love how everything looks. Uh, I, I really like how everything's shot. It's very creative, but it, it does suffer from the the cartoony thing at points where you're supposed to be taking it seriously because it's very violent and it's like a life of death or death thing with these characters that are very, you know, go, going through a bad time. And and then that episode four, I was just kind of like, oh, why are you becoming an anime? You know, why are you turning into into this? I haven't finished it. So hopefully by the end, you know, it redeems itself. But I, I was kind of turned off a little bit by that episode. Uh, just because, uh, I don't know, uh, when, whenever you do the, 
the high school thing of like I have my gang now and there are a bunch of indestructible retards which is what his gang is you know yeah. none of them have, have original thought but no one can touch them and they never get hurt uh, and they're just like outwardly like cocky and shit. Right. It's kind of like uh, that doesn't fit with the well, rest. Well, listen, you know? uh, I completely forgot there was even a gang. So yeah. that's not going to be relevant very soon. Okay. Um, All right. Okay. The show has so many really good twists and turns to it. I don't want to say anything because I don't want to ruin the experience for you. Also, it doesn't feel like a show. In my opinion, it feels more like like it's just a very long movie, which a lot of people say that about a lot of different things. I, I like my my filter on that is so strict where. So True Detective season one in my head, I think about that, although less so nowadays because we got into season two and then uh, maybe we'll cover season three at some point uh, it is less so. But I, I think a season one is like a film, essentially with Squid Game. It's it's the same thing where I don't really register that as a, as a TV series. I register it as a, as a complete one movie. And I almost right. hope that they don't do a second season because it has the ability to be, you could, I, the way that this is designed, you could do tons of seasons of squid game with brand new cast. Right. And, but I don't know if that would be a very good idea. Cause think about it like this battle Royale, great film battle Royale two. Why? Yeah, unnecessary. Uh, America deserved 9-11. That was the whole goal. That was the (laughs) the fucking mission statement of Battle Royale 2. So Battle Royale 2 was cursed from the get-go because you didn't have Kitano. The director died like literally the first day of production and had to give it to his son because all the money's there. The cast is there. So who the fuck's directing this movie? I guess my my son. That's what the ghost of the director is saying. Here you go, son, who's never directed a movie before in your life. Here's the biggest <laughs> fucking sequel in Japan's history. So, uh, sorry to put this 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 uh, weight on your shoulders. It's not even really his fault. But the whole premise of that, the survivors of Battle Royale become terrorists and America deserved 9-11. And let's, let's sympathize with Jihad. Oh, that's, also- that's the big commercial sequel? Okay. I'd love to see also- that for Shang-Chi too. Yeah, <laughs> where they just they just uh, 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 become allies with a, a brown villain mm-hmm. uh, that wears a turban. Uh, Netflix also doesn't have a great track record uh, when it comes to the season after the good season. You know, I think you right. mentioned Mindhunter before. Uh, Stranger Things, I think I, they lost me on season two. I, I stopped watching it after that. A lot of their, their shows that start really well or start getting attention, the second season just feels like, okay, we're just going to do the same thing again. Uh, we're just going to change it a little bit, but this is what you like, so we're just going to redo this thing. Uh, and I, I don't know, this feels like it could be, again, I haven't seen the ending. I don't know how it ends, but self-contained as a one-season thing, it, it will be great. I, I'm, I'm enjoying it so far, but just knowing the execs of Netflix, I wouldn't be surprised if they, if they do a American squid game, you know, starring one uh, white person and a bunch of people of color with, with uh, weird sexualities. That what do you think of the di- they're, diversity they're, hire that this show has where they threw in the one Pakistani guy? I was like, wait, I don't minute. mind him. I don't mind him. His Japanese is really good from what I know that I understand it, but sorry. Wow, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> His Korean is really good, or at least sounds good, not that I 
know the language Listen, at all. When but... it comes to Korean films, I get really racist against anybody who isn't Korean. So if somebody, listen, it, it's not even that he's Pakistani. If I see, a, especially if it's a white person pops up in a Korean film, I'm like, get the fuck off the screen, you <laughs> disgusting piece of shit. So I see this so guy come up. I'm sure I've not, well, hold on. They're trying to be that. Haven't you ever seen a Korean, a famous Korean person? Like, let, let me just blend into my white wall behind me. That's what they want to look like. It's just paste. Uh, um, but this Pakistani guy's good. And I, I go let go yeah. of that. It's not as, because when they can't, and they do bring in some white actors in Squid Game, unfortunately. But they're not even like the typical bad white American actors that you would find in like a Park Chan-wook movie or Bong Joon-ho or whatever. Uh, They they feel like video game characters, actually. They they took me out of the the show a little bit, but it's not too bad. Um, Anyway, we'll we'll save a lot of that talk for for once you finish it. We're going to have Dakota Proctor on as the guess i'm excited to discuss that but yeah i could i mean i don't think they'll do an american version my guess is that they probably won't Mm. but i could i i could i could fathom that but the thing is it's been so popular in america even that there's no point to it the fact that they added the english dub as the default setting for that show is kind of their version of that horrible by the way i when i started watching it it was like you said the the default setting and i was like oh no change this i don't even though i have to pay more attention than if it was in english i anything dubbed is just horrible no especially asian especially asian things where they're so expressive and they have so many little expressions and little words they throw out too that when you try to translate that into english with an american voice it sounds completely out of place it doesn't work at all Right. Uh, but I, again, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised if they do like a game show, Netflix game show is called the squid game and no one dies. You just get, you know, dismissed from the show and, and you have a, a Tiffany Haddish like host, which is just another POC comedian being the host of the show. And well, that's the thing. If they did squid loud. game in America, it would be the purge where you know who the good guys and the bad guy, yeah. how they're going to look on the show. You can already see it in your head. Who's going to be bad? Who's going to be the hero? Who's going to be the good group? Who's the group, good group? Who's the bad group? Same, same group as the Wonder Years, same group as Many Saints in Newark. Uh, that's what you're getting from that. So there's no need for it. With the, uh, listen, with the, uh, the fact that this show is as good as it is, is 100% because it's Korea and Netflix mm-hmm. has only given them the money. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've talked about it before. Some Korean like commercial stuff gets really hokey, really bad. Like Peninsula, the sequel to Train to Busan, where they took all the wrong lessons from that first movie. And I guess they knew that that movie was a piece of shit because then they said, we can't call this Train to Busan 2. We're going to call this Peninsula a Train to Busan story. El Camino, a Breaking Bad story. <laughs> all the A story. Yeah. I fucking hate the subtitle. I don't know why they don't get creative with it. A Breaking Bad story, a Star Wars story, Solo, yeah. a Sopranos story, and so on. Yeah. So um, I think your opinion on it will, will probably mm, – I don't know. You're a tough critic, actually. I don't know. We'll <laughs> see. We'll, we'll see when that episode happens. Anyway, all this to say, I watched GoldenEye recently. GoldenEye was a lot of fun. GoldenEye has, yeah. has uh, tremendous visual effects for the That's time. That's Pierce Russell, right? Pierce Brosnan's first go is uh, James Bond. Feels very Johnny Mnemonic. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. I'm check that out. Not really into. I I thought uh, mentioning this to you and just 
doing like a bond retrospective but then i watched a couple of them and i was like i i really don't know it's too no it's too much work <laughs> too much work for a yeah. lot of the same yeah so that's i don't know if they but... attract especially interesting directors to helm typically they they really uh pioneered that marvel strategy of let's get somebody who's good at one thing he's good at action he's good at special effects we'll do that uh and we'll bring in a serviceable actor to play bond we'll get somebody interesting to play the villain that seems to be how every one of these films go i would be curious to check out the other pierce brosnan films he didn't really have a long tenure as james bond or as long as i thought um, no, four movies four Die movies. Day, the world is not enough tomorrow never dies and golden i feel like timothy Dolan's probably a fun bond for all the reasons said before because he's kind of a slime yeah. ball he's kind of shitty skeevy um George Lazenby only had one go, and a lot of people consider that the best Bond movie. But uh, I don't know, I don't know. But I'm not, I'm not watching, <laughs> I'm not watching that series at all. I, it's very much like you said. It's very much very one tone, and I, I also feel like after watching Austin Powers, you can't take it as serious because they make fun of those movies a lot. Oh they, yeah, they take a lot of elements from it. So, uh, yeah. you think Austin Powers is coming back? Oof, I hope not. I think it is. Uh, I'll tell you why. Uh, well, first of all, I mean, I, I was kind of getting the vibe there was going to be some kind of Mike Myers resurgence again. And then it turned out to be like a, what was it, Pizza Hut commercial with Tiffany Haddish from the card counter. Uh, or no, 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 sorry. It was Nicki Minaj. I'm just racist. Uh, so they did that instead. And um, well, here's what I noticed. Austin Powers was trending on Twitter seemingly abruptly. And then they added all three of them to HBO Max and something happened. So I feel like, I don't Robbie know. Goodwin was Robbie Goodwin was talking about Mike Myers a lot, Austin Powers a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's starting to bring yeah. it into existence. <laughs> uh, I suspect that they're thinking about doing a fourth one. But how do you even well, do that now? Let, hold be on, like, oh, let me tell you. Yeah. It's on IMDb as announced. Are you Austin kidding Powers me? Powers 4, rumored, it says. Director Jay Roach, who last directed uh, Bombshell, Trumbo. Oh yeah, Bombshell and then Trumbo, and uh, Meet the Fockers. Oh, he did Goldmember. Okay, and then Meet the Parents. He, okay, he directed all of the Austin Power movies. All right, but um, yeah, it's, it's it's been announced as rumored or IMDb or, uh, or at least uh, listed. Uh, but I'm, I'm wondering what they're going to do with Minimi. Is Minimi going to be a part of it? Or are they just going to get a different little No, but here's the thing. That wouldn't fly charge. now anyway, because that would be offensive, right? So I don't even yeah. know how you do Austin Powers now. It's just going to be Beyonce. She'll have come back and she'll be lecturing him. It's like, Austin, it's a new time. It's not just women's empowerment. It's you can't say that to a woman now. That's sexual harassment. You, so you you'll get... You'll get fuck, fuck you, fuck me. Characters. No, you can't, can't do, do that. that. No, you can't do that. You have do a re-education guy. camp, Austin Powers. <laughs> no, you can't have the guy with the mole because you know that's ableist or whatever. <laughs> whatever word fits right. with a, a guy that has a mole. Oh God, but yeah, I that sounds like a horrendous idea for twenty twenty whatever. And listen, everybody out. who thinks that's just going to go away, that's not going away. You, that's that's the world you just permitted. And that's that's the life you deserve, ladies and gentlemen. You don't get a fourth Austin Powers movie 
to your liking, you're going to get, you're going to get the, it's not even going to be bad in an Anchorman 2 sort of way. It's going to be, we have to educate our audience. This isn't actually funny. And He's that's, not going to be horny anymore. He can't no. be horny anymore. That's the whole character. He's horny. Now he's not going to be horny, baby. What the fuck? That's, that, yeah, that sounds like a... And again, like, that's all Hollywood has now, right? Just let's see what worked before and bring it to life, but with modern-day sensibilities, which is why everything is failing and nothing feels honest or, you know, good. Did you Hold um, on. Did you see the trivia on the Austin Powers 4 page? No. I'll, I'll read it to you. Trivia. Hey, did you know? It's currently unknown how much, if any of the script, plotline, and overall movie has been changed due to Vern Troyer's passing in 2019 from alcohol-related suicide. A little trivia. A little fun he... facts. <laughs> I, I guess so. I thought he died from natural causes because he's just small. <laughs> Holy shit. He drank himself to death, literally. Is that what happened? Vern? Wow. Maybe he drank a bottle of rubbing alcohol and it did him in. Well, he was 49. The little people really, they don't really live that long, right? It depends. But his type of little person, I can't imagine that the lifespan is very good. I know munchkins, which, you know, you, you're still proportionate to your size, even though you're little. I mean, for the most part. Uh, but a Vern Troyer type, that's like a birth disability. Uh, in a serious way, I, I, you need a wheelchair. You're going to get lethargic if you try walking around. I can't imagine that's a, a super long life. Oh, wow. He, yeah, alcohol poisoning, apparently. Jesus. What did he drink? A couple of a couple of those tiny bottles? He did a jello <laughs> shot. He passed away. Uh, oh, damn. Here's, here's, here's some more trivia from the trivia page on Austin Powers 4. The status of the movie itself is questionable. In 2016, Mike Myers confirmed the movie's filming arrangement was done, but that directing was slow due to his obligation to being a parent. Oh, the old James Rolfe excuse. Uh, (laughs) As of 2019, director Jay Roach said he was still interested in making the movie, hinting the movie may be in development hell or hit some kind of snag in funding. Well, Jay Roach needs it because he, he tried to do the Todd Phillips, now I'm a serious director path but it didn't work out for him uh third piece of imdb trivia which is um questionably written here uh we got some random capitals and lowercase uh names that should be capitalized this will be the first austin powers movie since the first one in 1997 that won't have Vern troyer in it period since he passed away in 2018 which conflicts with the first piece of trivia that he passed away in 2019 Right. It says here that he weighed 55 pounds and arrived at the hospital with a blood alcohol level above 300 milliliters, which is enough to be fatal for some adults. I wonder what he drank. Maybe two feet, eight inches. But yeah, he was always like he he needed a scooter to move around, right? Like he. Yeah. Yeah. That's there's a very painful image of him trying to bring his Thanksgiving turkey to the door. And um, that's just the kind of struggle he had in, in this life. Rest in peace, Vern Troyer. Rest, Rest in peace. In... Another comedy icon killed from alcohol. Yeah. Trevor Moore, Vern uh, Troyer, two peas in a pod. Yeah, gone too soon. 
how old was he? You know what I like to think? I like to think Heaven's got the funniest buddy film in in the making with those two. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. (laughs) You got Hitler and you got Vern Troyer. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, what else does, I mean, they could do Wayne's World 3, I guess. Dana Carvey needs something. He's going to die soon. God damn, that's another. You can't do that one. Shring is sexual harassment. How are you going to do shring? Well, then, then you just have fifty-year-old uh, Tia Carrera going now, now, Wayne. You can't do swing anymore. Can't that's she move her face after all the fucking? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, Wayne. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, that all sounds horrible. What other Mike Myers franchise could be? Uh, that's it the love guru you could do the love you want, guru you want to try that again <laughs> uh god damn what that's probably the most viable all right how about another shrek there you go boom yeah that's that's how he's he's keeping healthy shrek his, uh, remake. well shrek is uh very popular in latin america i don't know if you're familiar with that but i think he made a lot of money by just selling it to latin american channels because uh that should have still replayed to this day um, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't know what else. Let me see. Uh, I mean, they did a Bill and Ted, they did a Bill and Ted movie, right? So I wouldn't be surprised if they do a Wayne Squirrels, but they're just old as fuck now though. Like, and I know that, uh, that, um, what's his name from Bill and Ted, uh, the, the Bill character. As a director now, what's his name? Uh, Alex Winter. Alex Winter. He's a documentary filmmaker, but he also directed Smosh the movie. Oh yeah, that classic. Um, He's like he looks old and tired now, and Keanu kind of looks the same. But if you Google Dana Carvey (laughs) and what he looks like now, I don't know if he will be able to be Garth and because like unless it's like Garth's dad and the movies about how they had children oh my god I'm this is it uh they had children and their kids are trying to act like them but it's not acceptable anymore so they have to uh educate their parents about how to live in the modern world you know and then at the end they I don't know they 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 understand that you know times have changed and they can't just shring at regular people on this. You should pull that up on on screen share real quick. I just sent you a link in our chat oh here, just so God. we can paint the visual for for everybody listening to this. And this will probably be a patrons only uh, section, but we know what Mike Myers and Dana Carvey look like as Wayne and Garth in this day and age. And I thought this commercial was terrible. Our dear pal, Jake, thought this was uh, a righteous comeback, I, I believe it was. So that that's what we got going on here. And uh, one, one man's face seems like it's made of wax. The other man's face is starting to cave in on itself. It's a pretty grotesque sight, if I do say so. Um, also, that shirt is, is uh, I mean, it looks, oh, God. The, the, it's like, it just looks like... See- He's got that Louis C.K. thing going. He said, wearing a black shirt so that people can see what my body looks like. They got a Halloween store wig for Wayne. 
That shit is polyester. They couldn't fucking afford a real wig, a real hair wig for the, for the Uber Eats commercial. Look how shiny it is, yeah. That looks yeah. like a vinyl wig. Uh, Dana Carvey's <laughs> hands look... T- that shirt is way too big for him. Um, the pants! Look how big those pants are! <laughs> Holy shit, he's wearing my pants. Uh, <laughs> and Yeah, old hands. It's just, it's just depressing. You know... Uh, well, they, those movies and those sketches were never my favorite, but I know how popular they were. And just seeing them trying to revive that, what, 20, almost 30 years later, and this is, I, I don't know, it's just very depressing. It's very, just let it die, you know? Is it worse that this came back in a Uber Eats commercial? as opposed to like a full-blown film because I, in a way I feel like it would have been a lesser offense if they had done a film because then, then, then there's like an earnestness to wanting to do it as opposed to we'll pay you guys $25 million to do this terrible Super Bowl commercial. Maybe, but I think I would have hated it just the same, but well, maybe more because it would be longer, you know? And again, you have to adjust to sensibilities of modern day everything. So, yeah. I, yeah, you're right. No, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, to drag that out over 90 minutes or, I mean, realistically, what are we thinking? Two hours and 12 minutes for a modern feature? That's going to be yeah. pretty pretty rough. Pretty rough going. Yeah. Yeah. Should so, we do a Wayne's World duology? Uh, I mean, Sure. Why not? Nah, I'm good. Do I really want to. I don't want to watch that. No, we thank should, you. We should do a Saturday Night Live movies retrospective. I'm kidding. I don't. I don't want to do that either. We tried doing it. It was very difficult to even watch one. To even find, we couldn't get its pat going. You got expat. You got Night of the Rexbury. You got. Oh, mm, uh, MacGruber is good. I have not seen MacGruber. Uh, that one's funny. Um, They're all not very good. Superstar. Yeah. Uh, oh, Jesus, Superstar. Was there a Mr. Bill movie? Remember was that Mr. The, Bill, the little clay guy? There's there's one with Al Franken character. The gay Stewart saves his family. Yeah. I don't think I ever explicitly said he was gay. But uh, he was a certainly Probably. feminine man. That the and church lady had a movie too. Church lady did not. I'm shocked, actually, to be honest with you. If if hey, listen, if Dana Carvey's career in films had taken off like in a good way, and he didn't get a string of flops, we would have seen a church lady movie. Absolutely. Yeah. Oof. So, I mean, Wayne's World is about as good as it gets. Yeah, Coneheads, right? I like that's the Coneheads movie. I thought Coneheads was all right. Coneheads is another yeah. one that that's pretty serviceable, but that's still Dan Aykroyd, right? Who's usually decent when it comes to the things he writes. So that's like an anomaly, I guess. Uh, and that you could do much more with a character that's an alien. So I guess isn't it? Is it two Conehead movies? No, no, no. The there's uh, it's kind of strange that they would even do a Coneheads movie. And I think it was 1994, maybe it was 93 Three. when they did that. Yeah. Um, cause Coneheads was a thing of the seventies. 
And then they opted to do that in the early 90s with not just Dan Aykroyd, who was not at the peak of his fame. He, I, he was probably at the peak of his fame in the 80s, right, to be fair. But they also brought in Jane Curtin, who had no career after SNL and played his co-star in that movie. And I guess the way to balance it was throwing in, um, was it Alyssa Milano? Chris Farley. No. Oh, oh, right. Chris Farley got into a relationship with the daughter of the Coneheads, right? Yeah. Uh, who's the daughter? Uh, I always thought it was Alyssa Michelle Milano. Burke. Maybe it's not. Oh, well, what do Mich- I know? Michelle Burke. Yeah. I don't, don't even, not even familiar with her career at all. Oh, last, one of the last movies she made was LOL in 2012. That's cool. a loud one. Uh, That's good. That's a good, <laughs> that's a good move. That's a good move. If you're in movies, just to appear in Anna Faris's LOL. We're forgetting Ladies Man, oh. uh, Team Meadows, and uh, the two Blues Brothers movies. Right. So you can group these movies together. You can do Wayne's World and Wayne's World 2. You can do Blues Brothers and Blues Brothers 2000. You can do It's Pat and Stewart Saves His Family, mm-hmm. Night at the Roxbury and Superstar, Coneheads and... Uh, a ladies man and MacGruver <laughs> and MacGruver is on its own because <laughs> that I, I that one's actually still funny. I, I rewatched it recently. And why did Jerry pick Bob Roberts for SNL night? That's not in that, that's not on this list I'm looking at here. He was trying to cheat. What's Bob? Roberts? That's a that's a serious Tim Robbins drama where he's playing like a politician. Oh. I, I I don't know why he I thought even, he could sneak that in on the SNL movie night. I even list. forgot even forgot that Tim Robbins wasn't SNL. He wasn't. Was he? No. Oh. He was just married to Susan Sarandon. That's all. Well, my, I think the the strength of MacGruber is that it was well written by uh, Will Forte, who's really funny, and that he had the two other. Uh, Lonely Island guys, so it's very absurd. The humor is very absurd, very, very of the, you know, when it came out, which was when the fuck did this come out? Uh, Twenty ten. So that type of humor of that time, with like weird sex things and very weird, very silly. Uh, I know you don't like Hot Rod, but it's kind of Hot Rod ish, but with a MacGyver twist to it. Well, I, uh, here's the thing: I didn't like Hot Rod when it came out because I didn't like Andy Samberg. But I mean, I'm sure it's funny nowadays. I mean, but that you yeah. can say that about any comedy, good or bad. Uh, also, I just pulled up SNL.fandom.com. You know what I discovered recently? I'll tell you after the show. But I have a okay. wicked. I have. I have a. I didn't make this. Swear to God, I, I didn't make this. This is just how creepy and obsessed Marvel fans are that I have a Wikipedia page because of an IMDb credit on a Marvel film. What? Because I did background work one day. So someone Google my real legal name and that is a top search. I did not make that page. I, when I was doing, uh, when I was putting some stuff on Letterboxd for us, I decided to see if it made a difference afterward on Google in the search rankings, and I found that. And I was like, these people are fucking obsessed if they're adding extras to the Marvel no. fandom wicket. Because, you know, I might become Venom in a future movie. I might actually become <laughs> Mysterio. 
so I think I've, because of my, my geographical, uh, it, it's not showing. What's the website? Well, I won't tell you. Later. Hold on, I'll I'll link it to you real quick. Okay, because I'm not. It's not popping up. Uh, there's a lot of your old podcast. Um, there's a couple of thought catalog posts that you made, but yeah, I don't I don't see it. That's fucked i'm not surprised though That's well you're you're googling alternate names you're not googling my my name hold on wait did i forget your name oh i just found it there you go yeah yeah bodega customer and spider-man That's right. no way home are you actually in there yes yeah <laughs> i haven't seen that uh, all right i'm Almost sure I will not be featured because they literally shot just like background stuff for two days in Queens, and I uh, I went to that and that was a oh long that's time the ago one that now. hasn't come out yet okay right that's what I'm actually see Toby you get Toby McGuire you get Andrew Garfield you get me you get uh, Doc Ock <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's what yeah, you have to look uh, forward to really it is a a there's some big surprises in that movie. So, (laughs) so I was very surprised myself to see that I am now part of the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe. I hate myself for this. I can't believe I (laughs) allow myself to succumb to this. You know, God, God only knows what would happen if I did do the Clerks Three shoot in New Jersey. Are you on on the IMDb page for it though? Yeah. Oh, that's why. That's wow. that's how yes someone didn't show up and keep track of all the names of the people in the movie, um, so yes I am part of the uh, MCU, I'm also <laughs> part of the uh, the the PDU which is the Patriots Day universe um, from 2016 with the, oh, yeah. the Wahlberg the Wahlberg Survivor Avenger series where he plays different American heroes to stop terrorists. Um, yeah, you're you're a marathon at, at, attendee on that. Yep, uh, that's and, right. And now you're in post Spider-Man No Way Home. It's in post production. You, you should. Well, have, now uh, we now we both have a Marvel credit under our belt because you did. You're more behind I, the camera. Right? I don't. You, they did. They didn't even write my name. I guess because it was illegal to hire me. But I'm not in anywhere of, of the credits. I thought they might, but just because I was, you know, covering for someone for two days, I I'm not in it. So. Uh, no, well, you still did it. You can add that to your yeah. your IMDb and let everybody know you love Disney. You're part of the House of Mouse. Me, I got one foot in, one foot out. This could be, I could be, I, my loyalties might lie with Sony after all, even though we spoke poorly of Venom at the top of the show. Not even, yeah. not even spoke poorly about it. It's just not in the mood. Not in the mood for that yeah. right now. Not in the mood for anything superhero related. There's another James Gunn movie that's coming out soon. Oh, we'll, uh, uh, Guardians Three with Adam Warlock. And Superman's gay. Yeah. Superman, oh, Superman's son is bisexual, kissing kissing yeah. Japanese boys. At yeah, least he great. went with the most feminine of of boys. I'm not even familiar with who the character is. So my my girlfriend sent it to me, and I was like, "Yeah, I, who cares? Like, comic books are dead anyway." Like. The fact that they're trying to uh, appeal to an audience that doesn't buy comic books is the funniest bit part to me, because this has never worked when they try to be virtuous and show this type of thing. Uh, 
so uh i don't know i just i want that industry to die so this is but a here's good the thing on their part they they know something about making this type of content resourceful that we don't have full information to right now because there's no end in sight of this and we keep going there's no audience for this and there isn't an audience for it that shows up right. and presumably they're not making their money back but that they there's it's still going on and it's relentless there's no end in sight now on one hand you go well this is a mental pathology that they've succumbed to that they're just mentally ill uh people that are so like religiously devout to this uh, strain of liberalism and, and what becomes racial segregation. Like it, it, it's insane, but it occupies at least half, if not 65% of what's on every television network. So maybe, I mean, maybe it's just like, if you, if you leave the sponsors, no other option, then they have to give you the money for it. I don't know. I, I can't rationalize in my head how they're making uh, revenue off of these because you take a look at the ratings for every TV show and everything is gradually going down. And I'm fairly certain the numbers on uh, like downloads or streams or Hulu, however people are watching shows, first of all, they're not factored into that, but also they're not making the leap over to that because there's so many different options. Like people are watching that terrible show, Ted Lasso. They're not watching the cookout on CBS or whatever, the neighborhood, you know, no one's watching I that. Mean, don't even know what that is. Anyway, this is a Disney sponsored podcast. We're two employees <laughs> of the Disney company. Uh, that's, that's who you have to blame. If you ever hear an N word on this show from a guest mm -hmm. or from Hans, if he has too much to drink. Yep. It's Paul Feig's fault. He, the, the he wrote it for effect. me. Yeah. The I'm Feig working on a game effect. show actually called the Feig effect for Disney plus. That's what we've been working on all this time. You're mispronouncing the word. The fag effect. Excuse me. <laughs> Go to www.disney.com. <laughs> Find uh, drag queen programming. Yeah, anyway. that uh didn't they do that with uh, the Batwoman series where they just got rid of the white one and now she's black and... The mask allows her to have like this wild hair. Damn the mask! Then... They should do the mask, but social justice, oh, and it's a gosh. black woman can become a white woman and live in today's society. So it'll kind of be like Invisible Man, you know, the book Invisible Man. It'll kind of be like that, but we'll shoehorn it into the mask universe. But then when she puts the mask on, she becomes Medea like character, which is just very loud and sassy. <laughs> no, so it, no. It that up, would be so it ends listen, up being, <laughs> ends that would up be the mask. horrendously racist. That would be the mask in two thousand five. <laughs> that would be the mask in nineteen ninety nine. That's not the mask now. The mask now is you will have we're gonna bring back Monique to play the mask. That's her gonna be that's gonna be her comeback role. And she's gonna she's gonna become the mask, but she's gonna turn into julianne moore and it's gonna be, it, we're gonna take a different approach with it where it's actually gonna be a commentary on how uh women are not valued in society how wi white women especially have certain privileges that black women do not have and it will be like a, a day walking in my shoes of the white privilege high heels that julianne moore will wear and monique yeah. will really get a taste and she'll have a speech at the end because the mask will go nuts 
in a crowd. People think right. she's crazy. So all you see is Monique acting up in public and people are like, yep, just what I expected from just another black woman losing her mind, just she misbehaving. She hooks up with a guy as Julianne Moore and then she, he removes her mask by mistake and then he's like, oh, you know what? I'm actually into this. I'm actually really into this completely different than what I thought I was fucking. <laughs> it's going to be Henry Golding, the half Asian sensation from our Crazy Rich Asians and I think he was in The Gentleman as well. That's going to be the love interest. So uh, anyway, she'll give a speech at the end like, no, you're all stereotyping me and that's wrong. And the bad guy will see the error in his ways and then, you know, he'll still have to be bad. So they'll get shot or fall off a building and that'll be the end. She's going to be like, the ones that are wearing the mask are yourselves. (laughs) 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 Or something. That's right. It'll be a mask (laughs) of whiteness that they have to overcome (laughs) and acknowledge their racism. Yeah. You go throw some cops in there like Candyman. Uh, for no reason, just because they're white. Not that I like cops. That that sounded wrong. Never mind. I don't like cops. Cops are cool. But yeah, they're really looking cops, forward to the cool. mass, the mass twenty twenty five. <sighs> what a what a fucking and, and you know what the worst thing is that we're kidding, but it would not surprise that's, me. That is to happening. That's so close. To yeah, happening. you know, it would not surprise me at all. They will when whenever they they come up with the hey the mask made a lot of money in 1994, they'll either go, well, Jim Carrey's a little too old, so why don't we do why don't yeah look the Jamie Kennedy movie didn't really work out but maybe this time, if it's a woman, we could yeah. do something it'll be, it'll be whack it'll be not Melissa McCarthy it will be, it it'll be uh. Phoebe Bridge Waller from right. Indiana jo- the new Indiana Jones is the new mask. Instead of the son of the mask, it's auntie of the mask. <laughs> um, n- no, it will be it'll be uh, we'll just call it the mask because it's time it's time to right. let a woman have the title of the mask without a caveat, not lady mask, not mask woman, mask girl. I don't like any of that. Maybe she's agender. Maybe she's gender fluid. I don't know. These are all... Maybe she's got a lesbian partner. Yeah. And the dog is like a poodle. Maybe we can integrate some interspecies sexual relations and try to normalize that a little bit more. Kind of like Blues the Warm... Not Blues the Warm... Excuse me. That was derogatory to that ugly lesbian whore from that James Bond movie. Uh, maybe it could be a little bit like the shape of water and we'll do, mm-hmm. she'll start mm-hmm. sucking the dog off mm-hmm. and a uh, dog will say, somebody stop me midway through. <laughs> and that'll be the movie. <laughs> That's, listen, this is how you bring the mask trilogy to its oh proper conclusion. Gosh. It's an exclusively on HBO Max. Um, is that no? Is that Warner Brothers? Um, I think I just wrote and directed that. I'm going to put that on. <laughs> we, should, we should pitch it. That's going to be the Vimeo short staff pick of the week. 
listen, you don't have to uh, go to meetings in person anymore. I'm sure all the meetings are on Zoom now. So we'll just put a little bit of bronzer on you. Uh, we'll, we'll put some eyeliner and some fake eyelashes so that you're gender fluid. And then uh, you could just pitch that and we'll get a shitload of money to make this movie. Would you make this movie if you get a $40 million budget? And they're like, you know, but you have to do what we tell you with the story. You got to direct it. I would, I would, um, to it. I would say, you yes, your... yes, I'll do yeah. this movie. And I would deposit big chunks of the money into my bank account and then go to the Philippines or somewhere where there's no, no extradition treaty and they cannot find me or bring me back. <laughs> and that would be the end of it. And I would just make a bunch of movies with Filipino uh, dirt people. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say, me come too. get me, come find me. You, the lottery, whoever else. Go ahead. Try to team up against me. See what happens. Good luck. Yeah. Which, so, speaking of which, let's not jinx ourselves here. It's been quiet. It's been very quiet lately. Hope it stays that way. Uh, anyway, so that's that's my mask. You could do Mask with Rocky Dennis with Eric Stoltz. Hmm. What if he found the mask? <laughs> Just a giant mask. It's a tiki <laughs> mask. <laughs> he already <laughs> looked like the bad tiki. guy from that first mask movie. You don't even need to. When he puts the, when he puts the mask on? Yeah. yeah. That guy. Yeah. Peter Green. That dude rules. I wish that guy would come back for real, but he just loves heroin too much. Anyway, I think that's been movies for this week. Unless, do you got another idea for a, a Jim Carrey uh, feature that can be rebooted? <laughs> Um. Yeah. The the um. What fire marshal Bill? <laughs> Why uh, didn't they do a movie of that? <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know because he was on a black show, and that was not popular back in the day for with everyone. I guess he was the white guy in the black show. So, but yeah, I'm surprised he didn't do a fucking fire marshal, especially after the success he had with his early movies. What about um, liar liar? But, Ooh, yeah that's that's one that's probably due for a sequel reboot remake uh who do you get to play the liar amy schumer's liar liar it has to be white uh oh ace ventura that's another one they're doing that uh what that's happening i i'm look they did ace ventura jr but i'm fairly certain they're actually doing another ace ventura like right now kind of that's another one that could never work i mean isn't the first the the plot of the first one that that there's a a man dressed like a woman or something the killer there's a former football player who's posing as a woman that's right yeah yeah so as of Um, march 22nd new ace ventura film in the works but if you google ace ventura 3 you get the junior Ace Ventura, who's a little fat boy. I didn't even know that was a thing. Oh, wow. Oh, that's depressing. Well, um, that second one is actually pretty funny, if I recall correctly. The, the one in the jungle, yeah. When Nature oh. Calls. I'll tell you what, the beginning of that movie depressed the hell out of me when that raccoon or whatever the hell fell off the mountain i got that i think as an easter present in 1995 
because I was a good Catholic boy and I would get presents from the Easter Bunny. And I saw that and I was like, what the hell is this? Now I'm, I'm sad and miserable. I just want to laugh at this Jim Carrey movie. Uh, but him coming out of the rhino's ass, holy fuck, does it turn around and become a classic comedy with that. Or him uh, with the Africans and he's whining yeah, or the, something. And he's got the spears. And the yeah, yeah. The, Man, oh, the spears I thought that spears. was hilarious nice. when I was a child. Yeah. Jesus Christ, I couldn't stop laughing. Yeah. I mean, most of the memorable scenes are from the second one. I can't really think of anything from the first one. But, the, but I, I think the first one has the uh, connotation of being the superior film. Mm-hmm. It was both were directed by Steve Odekirk, who did uh, Kung Pao Enter the Fist. Oh, wow. Which is another wow. movie I thought was funny when I was 11 or so. And it would probably be cringe. Actually, as a matter of fact, um, once upon a time, like 10 years ago, I was dating a girl and she threw that on because she was like, this is this is a really funny movie. And I was like, I've seen it before. I remember it being a funny movie. And then we watched it, and I, I just felt my face heating up the entire time at how unfunny and cringe it was. That you was, sure? yeah, that was a rough uh, go. Well, he had the whole thumb series too, right? Yeah, I didn't. I was good with. I, I'm surprised uh, Kung Pao Andrew the Fist even got greenlit. Think about that. Fox yeah. said. You, who are, you're a director, you've never starred in a movie before, and you want to do a movie where it's half or like three quarters footage from an old Chinese film? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, yeah. Um, Everyone is just a caricature of Chinese people, and and you redub everything. And And the budget was $10 million. That must have been a, a tremendous pay. He's probably still living off that because what it was like what was the expense for that find some chinese people that look like these other chinese people oh what what a dreaded task jesus (laughs) yeah a green screen i'm assuming uh for the time i don't Uh, even know if they went that far and then he did uh he did barnyard which was a paramount pictures nickelodeon movie with wanda sykes and courtney kevin james that's an easy payday. $51 million budget. Living, yeah. He's been living off that. There's a series too, apparently. A TV series. Sure. He hasn't worked Maybe. since. With uh, Chris Hardwick was one of the main characters in that. Uh, he also did Nothing to Lose with Tim Robbins and uh, Martin Lawrence. Both referenced on this show this evening. What a pair. What a duo. Yeah. Oh, wow. Thumb Wars 6? That's, that's that's his most movie. recent movie, Thumb Wars 6, the epic tale of Locke, Sky Skipper, and Family. The story reveals the truth behind the seemingly reclusive Locke, Sky Skipper, while tracking the ongoing internal conflict of Thumblow Ren and the mysterious origin story of Thumb Ray. <sighs> this guy played it extremely smart, unbelievably smart, because prior to Kung Pao, which he's again, he starred in this movie, Kung Pao Enter the Fizz, which the existence of it alone is ridiculous. He starred in four movies. Sorry, he didn't star in. He was in three movies that got released. He played security guard Baxter in Nothing to Lose, which he directed. Casual Sex, which I think is a Victoria Sweeney, Andrew Dice Clay movie. 
Yes, and Leah Thompson. So this was a flop from the late 80s. And uh, he played Joey in that. And he was also in a movie called High Strung, which apparently has Jim Carrey in it, although not in a big role. So this was before he was famous. Um, and this is written by Steve Odekirk. And there's a VHS cover of it on the Wikipedia page that says, Jim Carrey is even better than he was in, in Ace Ventura. Uh, Hollywood Update, which you could just make up a magazine back then and throw yeah. it on the VHS, and no one's going to check that out. A cameo by Kirsten Dunst. Fred Willard is in this movie. And uh, it stars Steve Odenkirk. Thomas and Wilson. They, Thomas they Wilson from uh, Biff. Is Biff from... Oh, oh okay. Well. Yeah. Who's a, uh, a stand-up comedian now, and his whole routine is about how he was Biff, but he doesn't like people calling him Biff. Yay. <laughs> That's kind of what you're stuck not, with. Uh, yeah. Isn't what that what his special is called? I think his special is called I'm Not Biff or something. I would never keep up with that. <laughs> so so Steve Odenkirk is... Uh, here's what, But he's actually got a prolific screenwriting filmography here wait hold on no 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 you're mispronouncing his name that's not his name you're giving him too much bob Odekirk. steve Odekirk. no it's odder Odekirk. yeah Odekirk. it's not it sounds like the other guy that what's his name uh mr shell better call yeah, Saul. are they related could be i don't think you spell it the same way uh oh he was a, he's an academy award nominated what 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 was nominated to jimmy neutron He's nominated for an Oscar. Oh, yeah. Wow. Okay. I have a feeling if you take a look at any of these films, they probably have a number of different screenwriters, and he was probably just hired to punch up scripts with jokes. So he did both. Uh, well, he was an executive consultant on Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, which probably means he was friends with Jim Carrey or something. Mm-hmm. Jim Carrey shoehorned him into a, a role. Like, there probably wasn't real work. And he collected a paycheck. Probably got like $4,000 for just hanging around on set and palling with Jim Carrey. Then he writes and directs Ace Ventura when nature calls. He writes The Nutty Professor, the Eddie Murphy one. He wrote and directed Nothing to Lose, wrote Patch Adams, came up with the story for Nutty Professor to the Clumps, uh, wrote Jimmy Neutron, executive produced Joanna Man, and uh, had Kung Pao wow. enter the fist all, all within like a year. Then he does uh, the script for Bruce Almighty. He does the script for Evan Almighty and the story for Cowboys and Aliens. And that's the end. Then he's just kind of chilling. Um, he's an executive producer on Planet Sheen, which is the Jimmy Neutron spinoff with the character Sheen. And he has not been eager to do anything since. You know why? Because he's making a killing off of these these movies. Uh, in 2015, it was announced that a sequel to Kung Pao was currently in the works with him returning to write and direct and uh, nothing happening with that. So thank God. Well, his website is thumb.com and it's all about that Star Wars sequel. Well, that Thumb Wars, sorry. Thumb Wars 6. Um, there was one called... Uh, the thighs of skyskipper. This has definitely uh, reached its conclusion as a podcast. Um, 
We do a Thumb Wars retrospective. We'll just watch all the Thumb Wars movies. You know what we do? We should tell Jerry. We'll, we'll say, hey, Jerry, you want to do an episode of movies? We're going to do these uh, thumb movies that Hans just discovered. Yeah, there's about six of them. Hey, you want to watch that, Jerry? And then Jerry there's comes on the show t- and we'll talk about uh, the deer hunter or something instead. There's a Titanic movie, too. The Thumbtanic. Of course there is. I think it's called. Oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah, we should do that. Not watching. Um, I I I really don't want to. That's that's about it. Uh, well, if you it, think Kung Pao is cringe, which is probably the best thing he's done, I can imagine what a Star Wars parody starring thumbs with big eyes and mouths um, would be any anything to enjoy about it. Well. I mean, you, you, these Nicktoon creators can't all be uh, breakout stars. You know, you can't you can't just be a Dan Schneider. You can't just be a John Crickfalusi. Uh Apparently, the most talented ones uh, need to, you know, seduce children. That seems to be the key to yeah. success in Hollywood is how good are you at seducing children? How good are you with uh, people not knowing until it's too late? Oh, they knew. They just, they, nobody said a goddamn thing. Yeah. Especially that John Crick Falusi was talking on AIM chats to 13, saying, hey, 13-year-old girl, want to come live with me? You want to come get an internship at Nicktoons? Hey, <laughs> I'm going to bring this 13-year-old girl to the office today. He, he did the Horatio Sands thing. He said, well, if I bring her to work, no one's, no one's going to look at this as a big deal. It's just my friend. I'm a 45-year-old man, friends with this 13-year-old girl. It's like any 80s movie. It's the Karate Kid. Yeah. Hey, you you ever befriend a 13-year-old girl? And just in the outfield. That was another one, right? That was Christopher uh, Lloyd and Tony Danza. Christopher Lloyd, yeah. And that little boy. That I guess was supposed (laughs) to have a career, but I don't think he did. Hans, I noticed you avoided the question, have you ever befriended a 13-year-old girl? Oh, yeah. I I know it just went over (laughs) your head here. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh no! Wait, that guy is uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. The kid. That's right. I completely forgot. Teen, oh. teen, teen star of the nineties. Third Rock and Sun. Halloween. Hey, should we do a Halloween retrospective? Remember we did a one Halloween special. Halloween three, season yes. of the witch. Did we do that? We did do that. That was okay. episode ten. This this show is now three years old, as of September eleventh, twenty twenty one. What a perfect date for it. Um, yeah, I guess we could. It. I'm just gonna have to gonna have to fucking rewatch. I don't want I don't those know. movies I, that I didn't I, like. I I like the first three, and then you got any hopes for Halloween Kills? No, I remember that was the one that liked the the last one the least out of us. I think. Um, yes, in your opinion, has held up the most. Yeah. Uh, I like the director. What's his name? Paul Adam Schrader. Driver. Uh, Nick, uh, Nick Reffin. Adam Scott. Adam Scott. Uh, David Gordon Green. Yes, I like him, but I just... I don't know. All of these franchises, they were, I mean, John Carpenter is doing the soundtrack with his sons, so that should be good, at least that part. But I just think that those franchises should be either left to die or... 
if it's something like Friday the 13th, I think Friday the 13th is probably the only one that you could do uh, properly just because of the character that it's so, you know, mindless. I mean, I, I guess Halloween is also a mindless character, but they try to give him a more interesting backstory. And then, you know, it's the sister that becomes the killer or whatever in, in those movies in the in 90s or 80s or whatever. So that has a, a more varied story. Uh, also Rob Zombie trying to make more of the character too. Jason is still untouched, I think, as like just a big lumbering retarded man that kills people. I think you could still do something with that. I, I, I like that remake they did in the early 2010s, I think it was. Um, that monster, maybe, I would be interested in watching, but like that Hellraiser one that they're doing now, like, I I don't get the love for that franchise to begin Not with, either. because I think the movies suck. Uh, it's a horror icon, fine, visually, maybe, but the movies are kind of shitty, so I, I don't get it. No hopes for that one to begin with. Uh, I wasn't excited about the Halloween revival. And after watching it, I was kind of bleh, whatever. Um, so I, I just, I don't know. I feel like those characters should just be left dead and try to come up with new. But there's no creativity in Hollywood anymore. So you're just going to have to revive old shit and hope that people enjoyed for the nostalgia factor of it which is all the where all the effort goes and yeah it's just bleak so i'm not i'm not I'm not really well, excited i'm gonna watch it obviously we'll probably do an episode on it i'm reading the, the script one. of it right now actually while you were just saying all that uh so i, I know how kills? i yeah i got it right now okay. I got it, i've been reading this page uh page 111 of 117 and um you know all scripts are pretty poorly written in general yeah i've only read a page of this i can't really give any honest feedback on it maybe i'll write david gordon green tell him how he can write his script better okay um yeah i'm kind of not vibing the trailer um i'm not yeah. against it yeah well i think it probably would be good to cover it for movies for an episode to what you were saying but um my own person i'll watch it because it's on peacock and i'll be in massachusetts during that time and my folks have Peacock because they have cable. And that's okay. That makes it simple. But I probably wouldn't go out to the theater. I think this is actually going to bomb. Maybe not bomb, but I don't think it's going to make its money back. Think um, it's going to kill the franchise again? No, because there's still one more, no matter what. They oh. shot them both back to back, right? I, I'm, I honestly, I'm still out of loop because I'm not interested. That I sure you could say that now. Uh, did you notice that they were integrating um, some of the aspects of the the later series into I, from from the looks of the trailer anyway? It seems like the whole idea of abandoning the rest of the series has gone out the window because now they're bringing in Halloween three elements and also Thorn Cult elements. Mm, no, I don't think I don't even know if I saw the trailer. To be honest, I might not have even seen that. And if I did, I have zero recollection of it. The only thing I'm remembering is the ending of the last movie. So it didn't really leave a lasting impression on me, I guess. I haven't seen, have no recollection of it. Well, this, look, this script is meaningless because I read the script to Joker. And uh, I mean, you can read the script to Mass State Lottery and see how much of that made it to the final cut of the film. <laughs> uh, it's, it's rarely... Uh, 
one-to-one with what you're going to see on right. the page. Um, I don't know. Um, I'll check it. I like David Gordon Green. I'll check out yeah, Halloween, Halloween just, Kills. Just, I'm just not excited, but yeah. We'll, we'll make an episode on it. Yeah, uh, probably. And be, and be, again, the only show that gives it a not so positive review like we did maybe maybe i look if it's good it's good but uh i'm not optimistic it's gonna be mind-blowing i thought the last one was fine enough but uh i haven't gone back to it have you checked out any of those friday the 13th fan films that they make no that are like professional or close to professional when we're when i was watching it i was like hey this is actually you know you could believe this is the real deal and now i'm like now that we've actually gone to work and done shit, I'm kind of like, it's, you know, it's cute. That's, <laughs> that's nice. Well, there's not really much to those movies. Like, uh, the, I still think that the first one is probably my favorite, and that's where Jason is the least in, right? But just because of the way that it was shot, it was so interesting with the point of view and like the the lack of showing violence for most of it uh, and how much of this character that was non-existent uh getting up here in it uh makes it really interesting especially now where you know it's an icon so you have to have the mask and the machete and the everything uh for it to work i guess the first one feels like such a small movie and it, it feels more experimental because of the lack of budget i'm assuming that I don't know. It really, really works. Uh, and I saw that recently because um, I just wanted to see them all uh, back to back and I didn't make it that far. I think I got to like four and then I was like, I, I think I've seen enough. <laughs> I didn't make it to Manhattan. I didn't make it to the one that goes to hell or whatever the fuck because it's just like it's the same thing over and over again. So I don't know. But it's not much to, to, to those movies for you to not be able to make something decent looking, I guess, as long as you have a good costume. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, too, is those movies are designed to be binged when you're young, like when you're mm-hmm. 10 years old, and it's like, oh, we're watching something we shouldn't be watching tonight. This is gore. Ooh, there's boobs. Uh, but when you're an adult <laughs> and your time is yeah. finite and you realize maybe you have more time behind you now than you have in front of you, you're like, am I going to watch the same movie eight times in a row? Am I going to convince re-watch? myself this is the same as the first time I watched it? And there's that excitement yeah. there. Am I going to rewatch Jason X? No. Oh, fuck. I was thinking about rewatching that because I remember not liking it at all when I was a kid. I was like, I hate that. It, I hate the mask. I hate that he's in space. But that movie seems so stupid now that I feel like I would probably enjoy it a little bit. I tried watching yeah. Jason Goes to Hell. I turned that off after after the, the brain or the heart gets eaten in the morgue. And then I tuned back in at the end. And I still just was like, ah. I'm glad I skipped out on this whole fucking thing. This sucks. I, I haven't gone back to, I haven't gone back to any of them except for the final chapter. The final chapter is still like a fun, worthwhile horror movie to me. Uh, I'm sure the first two are. Mm-hmm. Three, maybe. Uh, everything after five, I'm not particularly interested in revisiting. Well, that happens with all of those icon movies too, because Nightmare suffers mm. from the same thing there's a couple of really good ones uh the what is it, night warriors i i enjoyed that one uh that was one of the later oh, ones. oh dream warriors is definitely the dream best warriors. but you have yeah. legitimately talented creative people on board uh for that one you got wes craven chuck russell and frank darabont and you have an yeah. interesting group of characters which i cannot say is the case with many 
of those, uh, especially the later ones where they just go with whatever generic hot team is, uh, you know, famous or not even famous, really. Just like who could be famous in the late 80s. Um, um, teen magazines at the time. Yeah. Right. So it, it, it seemed like they, you know, story came secondary at that point. It was more the Freddy show. They go more character based as opposed to trying to develop anything. But these, uh, I, I wanted to bring up these Friday the 13th fan films. They did at least two of them. They did Never Hike Alone, where they got the guy who played Tommy Jarvis in part six to come back as an EMT at the end. And it was originally like a found footage. It's a GoPro, a guy who is hiking by himself and camping overnight in Camp Crystal Lake and wanders into that area. And he's being stalked by Jason. I thought, oh, that's kind of an interesting concept. And it's a, it's a fun watch. It's not bad, especially compared to the rest of the series. It's like, I mean, there's such a low bar. You can meet that quality very easily. Right. They did a sequel, I guess, in 2020 called Never Hike in the Snow, which I have not watched. And this is a uh, obviously what a lot of people have clamored for. Uh, I, I remember during the days of the Friday the 13th message board, which is why not do... Camp Crystal Lake during the winter, which you could very easily answer. No one goes to camp by yeah. the lake in the winter. But who cares? Because then you get Jason in the snow. He's a snow zombie, right? So um, I don't know. I'm, maybe I'll watch this tonight. Fuck it. Uh, could be it's something. It's only half hour, apparently. Uh, never hike. Hold on. Never hike alone the ghost cut. Never Hike Alone, the ghost cut, is uh, 90 minutes. But Never Hike Alone is uh, 50, 52 minutes. Sorry, this is the, the ghost cut is 82 minutes. So maybe this is both movies mixed. I don't know how they got the, the extra runtime here. Maybe they just padded it. Uh, let's see. Never Hike Alone. Uh, yeah, it says that's exactly that. It says, uh, uh, never hike in the snow and never hike alone, cut into one cohesive anthology timeline, including some additional scenes and very special guests. So, we'll just watch that one, and you've seen both of them, I guess. A prequel and three sequels were announced on Friday, September 13th, 2019. Never hike alone, two, never hike again, never hike alone, three, Jason takes Crystal Lake. And never hike alone for the final hike. That's a terrible day. <laughs> the final hike. I don't see any of those sequels happening. That's my prediction. Uh, I think it's these two, and now they're done. Because they realized, holy shit, we're putting a lot of time and money and effort into something we can never legally make money off of and that will never be fully accepted and not have the legs that we wanted to have. Maybe we should make our own slasher film, which is probably what they should have done to begin with. Although I appreciate the fact that they went and did this when there's no Friday the 13th movies. Um, well, fr from what I'm looking at, uh, it's, it's Womp Tomp, Womp Stomp Films. Yes. And uh, after Never Hike Alone, the ghost cut is a thing called Judy. So they're not working on the other one, on the sequel. It's just a, it's just a short psychological horror thriller 
Um, that that's it. There's a couple of teasers there. Oh, it's a trailer, a one minute trailer from two months ago. Uh, but that doesn't look great. Uh, well, th this actually, is the other thing too, right? Is when you when you do this kind of thing where you make a fan film and you put legitimate effort into it and it's impressive for fan film, that doesn't mean that you're going to go make a great film. Um, and if you try to make a film and if it's even just okay, well, first of all, you got a certain kind of stink around you now where people aren't going to take you as seriously because you're a fan film guy and you're not a real filmmaker. Uh, regardless of whatever your, your strengths and capabilities are. And second, the people that you have brought to your page are going to want more fan films with characters they already know, which are the Friday the 13th characters. So if you want to do Judy, mm, the appetite ain't going to be there. You're going to turn over three, four, five people maybe. It's not going to be that that helpful. Uh they put out a VHS. I'm looking at their Facebook page. They got six likes on the VHS, 232 likes on the Never Hike Alone Blu-ray. So that's that's legitimately the turnover rate. There's no Facebook trickiness happening here. It is 232 people interested in buying your fan film Blu-ray, which you can't even really sell. That's illegal. Yeah. You're going to get a cease and desist from somebody over that. Maybe New Line. They don't have the rights anymore. Uh, the screenwriter has the rights. Six people interested in Judy and probably relatives of the filmmakers. So, Yeah, it seems like too much work for nothing, really. Yes. Every every single time I've ever had the thought in my head, maybe, I'll, maybe I should do like a fan film thing, just because why not? Because nobody will ever do it this way. Why not do that? I then go, oh, right, that's a lot of time and money. And um, no, what, I mean, what is the best case scenario there? You get a, a bloody, disgusting article on it and uh, 2,000 people watch it on YouTube. Right, which I've, I've already gotten that from my it videos from yeah. five years ago. So I'm all set. I got that. I'm good. I don't need to put a grown man in a Batman costume or dress him up as Freddy Krueger. Yeah. Batman versus Freddy. Uh, what's the best fan film you've seen? I I haven't seen many. I've only seen the ones that... The Green Goblin's Last Stand. Yeah. Where somebody at least was on the hood of a car and jumping rooftop to roof and hanging off fucking buildings. Could have died. The for Dragon that. Ball one, probably. That was good. I don't know if I want to consider that a fan film. That's the thing. Okay, you know which one? The Godzilla one where the same guy plays every character? Have you seen that one? Yes, I have. That's minutes. short, first yeah. of all. So that, yeah. that's got that on its side. I guess technically you might be right if you want to consider Dragon Ball The Magic Begins. I do think there's a difference between unlicensed and fan film. And in that case, uh, I think I think if you're not a fan... Then it's not a fan. If it's done out of like, oh, I'm so obsessed with this thing, that's gross, and that's that's what makes it a fan film. If it's like, I need to make some money because I'm part of the Chinese government, well, yeah. that's that's an unlicensed adaptation. That's a little more legitimate, in a way. I guess so, yeah. But, but still, 
it's, it's not like Toriyama or whatever the creator. But, it, but, but if we do, it, listen though, if we want to go with like, all right, well, what is an authentic, what's a real adaptation of this? Oh, Dragon Ball Evolution. Yeah. So that's, that's my favorite fan film. <laughs> Same quote. Actually, that no, well, it looked like shit. Even if it had like a real budget, it looked like garbage. I remember when Piccolo was coming down on his ship or whatever, and it just looked like absolute shit. But uh, I laughed a lot. I have not rewatched it since I saw that in the theater with my friends. Uh, probably not gonna because I don't want to ruin that memory of enjoying it so much, mostly because of their misery. But yeah. I uh, that one, Dragon Ball Evolution, my favorite film. I'm so glad I didn't see that in the theater. I saw it on HBO or something one night, and I was appalled because I really love Dragon Ball, and uh, that is not Dragon Ball. That's yeah, not even American. close. That was American Dragon Ball in high school. That's what Squid Game <laughs> would be. Yeah, and Justin Chatwin is available. That. Yeah, of course he is. What else is he doing? He's like bad. Bilbo, no, bad, uh, what's his name? Elijah Wood. Yeah, they're still doing Shameless. On, I don't even know who's watching that at this point on wow. Showtime. That's been on the air now for like 20 years. There's everything, everything they put on TV between 2000 and 2006 lucked out in being part of the time where shows just don't get canceled. If you're on during that time, you will just last 25 years. I, and, still going. I think the British one is only like three seasons, isn't it? Yeah, is it? I th- why, based on? I think it runs yeah. longer than than that, but yeah, it definitely ended pretty early in its run. Well, Shameless has only been eleven seasons. Excuse me, I could have sworn it was a lot more than that. Twenty eleven. Oh, it's over now. It actually ended this year. Oh, well. So definitely lasted longer than I thought it would. Um, gone never- too soon. I've only seen a couple of episodes, but I it's yeah, one of those shows where it's like, oh, it's a bunch of fucked up people and then they have sex and, and then they do drugs. And cool. I'm really sick of that Cameron Monaghan kid, the ginger, who just doesn't age at all. Oh, the one uh, that played the Joker on Gotham? Mm-hmm. If you Google his name right now, there's a photo of him on Google where he's trying to look older by growing a mustache or whatever. Looks terrible on him. Uh, here's a guy who had a lot of promise and clearly like alcohol fucking ruined him is uh, Jeremy Allen White, who's only 30 years old and he looks about 45 because he couldn't fucking keep himself under control. He kind of looks like how Mickey Rourke looked. Uh, he looks very familiar. What right before getting that? plastic surgery. Why do I? Yeah, no, not even familiar with anything he's done. Movie 43. That's not a good sign. Yeah. Anyway, anyway. this show is bottomed out. Going into <laughs> sh- <laughs> I thought it was bad when we were talking about, what was it, Thumb thumb Wars or whatever from yeah. Bob Odenkirk. Fucker. Now it's just, what are the shame, what is the cast of Shameless up to now? <laughs> Sucks. What is that that actor that was a real actor and and then his career died down after that series? Wasn't it? What's his name? William H Macy. Yeah, what he's on ER. Doing? What are you talking about? He's on ER. He's a cast member on ER. He's doing just fine. Sure. Okay. He pops up every so often. 
Um, Famous cock from Boogie Nights. That's another guy who's been ravaged by alcohol. Jesus Christ. What the, what the fuck is this? I'm sending you a, a haunting photo. Of I mean, H. he's Mason. 71. Is he? Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, this explains a lot. I know they had him in a relationship with some 20 year old girl on the latest season of Shameless. Well, he's married to, oh no, Felicity Huffman. She's also old. That's great. That's really the uh as a proper bow on this this episode. Um I mean he's he's seventy one. What do you want? Yeah. He looks I, listen, I I didn't I know that. I thought he was maybe about like sixty, maybe in his late fifties. Seventy one, born in Miami. He just looked Florida. this he just looked the same for like thirty years. He's looked old for like his entire career. <clears throat> but yeah, wow. I think that we should put a pain on this <laughs> i'm just trying to see if this can get to the three hour mark proper because i know we, we were talking for like 15 minutes and i think we might have i think we're we're very close to three hours here so which means this is a two-parter and half of this is going to patreon the other half of this will just remain in the rss feed all right so that i think i think it's probably safe to say that's been movies for this week yeah maybe I feel like it's going to be very close. I remember last time we recorded with Anthony for over three hours, we wanted to beat the JFK record. And we came so close. We were short like 12 minutes or something. We were also wasted, though, all of us. Yes. Yeah. So that was the, that was the first by. the first damaging show. Um, Is that out anywhere? Yeah, it's out on Patreon. It's not going oh, to the public. Damn. The Patreon shows oh. are staying... I don't even think I uploaded audio of those. I think it's just the video. So you have to you go shouldn't. listen to it and find it. <laughs> you shouldn't, because I don't remember how many reprehensible things we all said. Mostly me. Uh, but I think it's damaging for everyone <laughs> everyone involved. So, uh, yeah. Check it on. The 2021 has been a, a very rough year for you as far as these shows go. As soon as the video yeah. component got integrated into the show, it seemed like it was just all downhill. I'm not drinking anymore, though, so I'm I'm actually doing it. It's been like a week, so uh, yeah. That's, I was that's, I was that's... I was on a drink. This this is why I can't uh, drink casually. I can't do anything casually. I started <clears throat> so I was trying to diet for a while because I noticed Anthony lost a lot of weight. He lost thirty pounds. Cisco was very strict with his diet and exercise routine. And I was like, whoa. We started dieting at the same time. I'm sure I look the exact same as I do 30 weeks ago. Uh, and he looks noticeably skinny. So I, I was like, well, what does he do? He I, So we're talking. I was like, all right, so you, all right, no bread. All right, that's fine. Cut out all the carbs. What do you do uh, when, when you're in the mood for a snack? Like I might be in the mood for a snack at a certain hour at night. Well, he goes, well, I'm, I'm drinking every night. Well, that sounds like an alcoholic to me. But I was like, all right, I've got whiskey. I've got vodka. I've got, I've got plenty of stuff. I've got, what have I got? I got, well, Gin. I was celebrating my, my production company being uh, approved. So what did I buy? <laughs> I bought, here's the cool thing about New York. I would have loved this as a kid. We're talking about uh, parties at the beginning of this show. Uh, you can get your alcohol delivered to you. 
that's that's brand new. That's dangerous if you're underage. You'd fall into alcoholism quite easily. So I got a, a nice order. Work. I can get that here too. What do you? How do you think I will get really hammered in the middle of the show? So I would just get up and be like, I'm gonna go pick up the alcohol. And I'm well, yeah, you can pick it up. I have someone come to my door, leave it at the door, and walk off. They don't know if I'm of age or not. Yeah, that's a big but difference. You you're your talking about you're tra- no, I didn't. You're talking about having to go to the store and buy alcohol like no, no, everyone no, no, no. else. No, in like Uber Eats, you can buy alcohol here. All right. Well, I didn't know. Yeah. That. I, I I don't even think you can do that on Uber Eats here. But anyway, we're getting lost in the point. So I wanted to yeah. celebrate. I wanted myself uh, uh, a good uh, Jack Daniels with uh, some some Coca Cola, classic beverage. Well. Uh, I got myself a big thing at Jack Daniels and I got myself a bunch of Coke Zero because I don't want the sugar. And uh, that was great. But then I ran out of Coke Zeros. And I was just like, well, I'm just going to drink this whiskey. And uh, I did that a couple of times. And then I got taken out of commission for a day because yeah. I was I, I went a little too overboard. I was in bad shape. I had to miss uh, somebody's birthday and I couldn't go to that. I was just in bed. Fucking, I, and then I got some other bug at the same time because my immune system was terrible. And I was just sick for like a week. And so now I, I don't drink anymore. Yeah. Um, especially if you're mixing it with other things, I don't think it's good for a diet. That's, that's, that's really what the problem was. Um, that's why I gained a bunch of weight because of, I would every day. Like since I came back from Vegas, I was drinking every day. Beer, yeah. vodka, wine, whatever it was, every day, no matter what. Uh and I gained like 10, 15 pounds uh, <laughs> that that now I'm trying to lose so my fucking stationary bike and drinking a lot of water. But I think that only works if you drink like a hobo where you just drink it either straight or with water. Right, and you get so drunk that you forget to eat, and then you're yeah, just you, shitting you ever the just next day, the whole day. <laughs> put whiskey in your water and have it that way. Yeah. A good mixed drink is a good tap water with whiskey. Yeah, just um, ice. Yeah, no, that, that you're actually right. Yeah, it wasn't. Listen, I could drink the whiskey just fine. What I did was I finished the whiskey, and I was like, I got to keep this going. I feel great right now. This is gonna fade away in thirty minutes. I need something. I got beers in the fridge. I'll have yeah. some beers. Mm-hmm. And I had beers mixed with the whiskey and blowing it that was that the was next five days. Yeah. That was terrible. I couldn't sleep a wink that night. I was just oh, oh I was so miserable. Terrible. Stomach pain. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Just, my just nauseous enough where I didn't have to puke, but it made me so fucking uncomfortable and sweaty. Well, that episode of Civic TV where I just decided to drink vodka like a retard and you drank like a, a liter of vodka in like 15 minutes and uh, where I shut shit and threw up and showered and everything. That's that that day I was like, you know what? Maybe I should not do this. <laughs> maybe, you know, maybe, maybe I can bad. Maybe this is down not a little healthy bit, for know? me. Maybe my body's telling me that, you know. Maybe, maybe you shouldn't proclaim, I'm trying to lose weight, and then yeah, just I, raise up an 18-pack of beer <laughs> in front of you when you're doing the show within like a yeah. four-minute span. You know, maybe every shit should not be an emergency. I think. Right. That's, maybe there shouldn't be uh... blood coming out of my... Maybe I shouldn't push myself to an ulcer uh, yeah, at maybe, such a young age. Maybe, yeah. I shouldn't have a freaking prolapse ass from shitting to <laughs> Too many times a day. Yeah, it's from that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Shut up. 
<laughs> and yet so yeah so uh I, I you know i i don't i don't think it's necessarily a bad approach it's certainly low calories and hard hard grain alcohol but uh yeah if you want to do you gotta avoid those carbs beer yeah. off the table uh, well you get swollen too i have you know the, the the funniest part about uh well not the funniest part but one of the funniest parts about doing this show with you for so long is that there's i've been through so many stages of fat and then skinny and then fat and then bald and then with hair and then with bad hair and then with mm. long hair that you can really tell the times when i was drinking heavily because i'm puffier oh yeah and then other and then there was like a a, a six month period where i didn't drink at all and i would exercise every day and like my face is much thinner I, I i was revisiting one of the old episodes and i was like oh my god i look like fucking shit now i need to stop drinking and because that shit makes you like swell up right we like, well listen i mean we've only been recording these shows i think since late 2020 and um We've done maybe about 50 episodes at this point, but you can visit any given episode and you will certainly look different in most yeah. of those uh, where you're just totally bald. And then yeah. again, like you're saying, like you're a little more bloated and then you're skinnier and then you get yeah. facial hair and then it, it, you can definitely tell uh, with you. But yeah. I, I, I've noticed I, I look subtly different in certain ways, like um when we started talking about James Rolfe, the first, there's a terrible, terrible example here. Uh, and I was going on a rant and this wasn't that long ago. This was maybe about like June or maybe May where we were talking about, we meant to talk about, I feel like we meant to talk about Texas Chainsaw Massacre or something. Uh, maybe that was a different show. We meant to talk about the something one? with Jake and I it think, got, uh... we did four episodes with him. Do you remember what we did after we did the episode on, um, because we had him on to talk about something. And then that got derailed and became a talk about uh, early YouTube. We were talking about Angry Video Game Nerd. We were talking about Irate Gamer. And so we just kind of went with the flow, and that became one episode. And then we capped that there and did a second episode with him. Uh, and then we picked up and did Texas Chainsaw Massacre 1 and 2 later on. I can't remember what that second one was or if there even was one. Um so we, we, we did that. And, uh, you know, there, there are clips from that show that have circulated on Instagram and Facebook since then. But that video after we did the angry video game nerd movie review uh, got a second wind and some new views because James okay. Rolfe is the, the art and that got passed around on, on Reddit. So <clears throat> I clicked back to that episode and holy fuck is my face so round. It's a big old peach in that episode. And I'm like, I I've I looked ridiculously just bubble faced. It was insane. And I, I mean, you take a look at like a recent episode, and I don't think that's certainly the case with you know with that episode. I couldn't believe it. I looked so jolly in that episode. So yeah, I started I started noticing that recently, uh, how bloated I am. And I was like, I need to fucking stop drinking because even though I, I don't think it's doing anything. And then like my shirt started fitting a little tighter, and I was like, oh, this is not, oh, that's the worst this not, discovery. This is <laughs> this is not good. Why do I have to stretch it now? This shirt 
fit perfectly before. Oh, so. did I shrink this in the dryer? Maybe yeah. that's it. Yeah, that's, <laughs> Maybe it's not. I haven't gained weird. 11 pounds. <laughs> um, yeah. So I'm trying to find it, but I... it's uh, I think it's in the movies podcast tab on um, YouTube. I think you were bald around that time. So that's also what you have to look forward to. And then Jake's image just perpetually remains the same. Although I will say I, I, uh, I'm currently, um, I was revisiting some of the comfort systems, uh, stuff because I wanted to, I, I'm still intending to remaster certain things, but I was pulling images for the, uh, poster art that is now on IMDB and in a few other places. Cause I wanted to spruce things up and, um, Jake is a lot beefier these days. That's what I'll say. He's kind of a string bean in early conference systems episodes. So good for him. I guess he's the only one who has improved, (laughs) uh, at least physically speaking, um, much thicker neck nowadays than if you check out Buffalo Buford in 2019. Yeah. Yeah. I noticed that too. When I started, I started getting screenshots of the episodes for Twitter that I started posting and he looks, he looks really young too. I guess. Yeah. Reason. Yeah. Well, I think um, I think a lot of that has to do with the hair. The hair also yeah. has radically changed his appearance, where his hair was long before, but now it's like Weird Al long, modern Weird Weird Al. Yeah, uh, he probably doesn't like that comparison. Who would <laughs> like that? But that's all I can think of. <laughs> uh, anyway, I have uh, I have I have the episode right here. This was during the Skype days before we figured out that Zoom is a much better platform. Um, and it's hard to tell you actually, I think you might be actually skinnier here. This might be during your skin, Definitely. but it could be the beanie. Yeah. It could be the facial hair that your face look a little sharper than it normally would. Uh, Jake's hair looks like Pippi Longstock in this fucking episode. I can't believe how, how long <laughs> his hair is. Uh, so round. <laughs> yeah. Dude, dude. all just cheeks. Just, I'm a happy, jolly yeah jolly young man also this is much more aesthetic now that my green light has died now now i'm in like a mystery film made in japan in the early 90s yeah let's let's just yeah. <laughs> oh damn we're getting real meta tonight we got a damn look at that face going on <laughs> when was this well hold on this a second is... this is not oh. september 20 this is when i released no. it on youtube this is actually from uh i believe well, I, I mean, I can look look at iTunes real quick, and I'll tell you. Uh, the past of YouTube and the future of movies on streaming. So we're talking about, I think, um, HBO Max well, d- deciding to take their slate to, to streaming and how things have changed as a result of that. Was this around the time? Oh, no, 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 no. It's not a big one. When, when did we start doing video that was that was late 2020 so our first video episode was with anthony cisco when we were talking about uh chinatown and the two jakes okay and um not long after we did perfume nationalist okay so this was actually all right no this was earlier than i thought this is april this is april uh 21st 2021 episode 104 of movies but I decided okay. to throw it up on YouTube in September, and uh, I'm I'm I, I mean, <laughs> the video speaks for itself, folks. I guess I was eating 
eating well those days. I don't know. I, I still think I'm pretty fucking. I need to drop some hardcore lbs. I was taking a look at Mass Day lottery footage, and I was like, damn. Maybe I wasn't yeah. that fat back then, like I thought I was. <laughs> maybe I maybe I'm fat now. Maybe I got to lose well, like twenty pounds. The, it's the pandemic. I mean, let's just blame it on that, right? You got that pandemic. Yeah, we'll just factor that in on the movie. <laughs> yeah. it, it's gonna, you know, it's gonna. It, it reminds me of um, on Survivor. They would do certain fake outs for the, for the final two, where uh, it's like Jeff's like, I'm gonna, I'll go when it, when it gets down to two people. They did a season Thailand. Where it was like a porn star in his 30s and like an older restaurateur who was like a short little man in his late 40s. They lost so much weight. They got these beards and everything. And uh, they did a fake out. So the jurors voted for the winner. And then Jeff goes, I'm going to go tally the votes. And he walks off. And then he comes back. And to anyone with eyes, you notice Jake's, uh, uh, Jeff Probst is wearing more makeup. And suddenly he looks a little bit different. And then you cut to the final two. And uh, one guy looks essentially the same. The other guy, his face is just, is me in that video. It's just fucking <laughs> big red cheeks. Like he's been stuffing himself for eight months. And they had them both dressed up like they were still on the island, trying to uh, put, no. pull the wool over people's eyes. And it's like, yeah, he ate a little too too heartily. That's one of the biggest differences too, when you, because you made me watch the first season and now you see what he looks like now with longer hair jeff proofs whatever it's just it's it's man. now that you re- you reminded me though i need to download the episodes of the new season to see how they fuck it up uh Did you continue watching it yeah i'm gonna stick with it uh but my one of my favorite dudes just got voted out so i'm not they voted out the guy who admitted uh that he was gay or it. something i don't i don't remember who voted who voted who out i don't know i'm like I'm like two episodes behind, I think. Well, there's only three episodes, so. Okay, I'm only that one episode behind. But yeah, Jeff Jeff Probes. Hey, here's the thing: if you're an older guy and you got you want to do long hair, you also got to do the beard. That's that's it. Yeah. If you, you want to do long hair without a beard, and honestly, anybody long hair without a beard isn't. It's gonna be an ensemble. You gotta do the full like Kurt Russell or uh, Michael Parks thing. Mm. Uh, otherwise, it looks funny. Otherwise, it looks like you oh, might be this. doing a Caitlyn Jenner thing. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the, what he looks like now. Oof. <sighs> anyway, anyway, that's Beach. that's. I think I think we can cap the episode there now that we're definitely over three hours. This is actually now in contention for longest episode. If I leave it as one episode, right now it's after dark. That's why the green light is dead. Did your battery die? No, that was a strategic choice. That was for right. style. That was for moodiness. Right. Yeah, that's happened to me before. When the camera dies, the other one... That's to make it like... feel like unfriended in Blair Witch. It harkens back yeah. to uh, found footage of the day. Never hike alone. Yeah. Oh, that Jason one. Yeah, I already forgot. <laughs> I already yeah. forgot about it. Dude. You had it opening your tabs. Hey, you ever read the work of Michael Crichton? Five Patients? No, his experience at Boston Medical in the seventies. I keep I, I keep buying books, and my girlfriend's always like, "What? You don't read? You have like five books that you bought you haven't read." And I'm like, "Yeah, but I really want this one." <laughs> and I just, I just, I've done that yeah. three times now. I got uh, Tao Lin's book, and I didn't finish it. I got this book, and I was like, "I really like ER. 
I'm sure I'll enjoy this book. Haven't opened it. Um, mm-hmm. I got John Houston's book somewhere around here uh, that I have not picked up. And also Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which I've been listening yep. to the audiobook of. Oh, and also George V. Higgins' uh, Bomber's Law, which I haven't touched. Yeah, I got two books that are the uh, Twilight Zone scripts or the stories that the, the scripts are based on. I got a Michael Crichton, however you pronounce his name, that's uh, uh, short stories where they got the uh, Twilight Zone episode of The Plane with William Shatner. Uh, so it's a compilation of that. Then I got the Once Upon a Time that? that haven't even opened. I'm pretty sure, yeah. Huh, I didn't uh, know that. It's, it's, I, Michael Crichton's of. Uh, he kind of gets lumped into a weird category where it's um like a like a what's his name Dean Koontz, where he's like right. a prolific commercial novelist and it's a similar way to Stephen King but not really celebrated not somebody who is um critically well received uh he does a lot of big scientific commercial like he did Jurassic Park he did what Westworld is- which I I started watching that Westworld movie from the 70s and that was uh quite good and uh, Congo, I think Congo is what made people stop taking him seriously. Also, there's a bunch of like bad adaptations of his work. Like uh, there's an a- Antonio Banderas one uh, that doesn't share the same name as his novel. The, the name is escaping me right now. And uh, he also did the Andromeda Strain. But um, right. I-, I only became like hip to him through through ER. So... And I, I was watching some clips of him where he was addressing like a group of students and just shutting. He was like kind of like Jordan Peterson in the nineties talking about global warming is a cult and it's a religion or whatever. So he's, he's an interesting fellow. If you want to look into it. It's him. not Michael Crichton. I'm fucking up. I don't remember who, the, the, his name. It's short horror stories. It's one of those guys. I don't remember. Uh, I, uh, I think I know who you're talking about. The guy who presents Rod Sterling, Sterling. No, 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 it's not Rod Sterling. I mean the, the first, the, the Twilight Zone ones. I just, I, I, uh, is it the dude who did I, I Am Legend? Uh, let's see. Uh, what's his name? Um, he's great, great. Uh, Richard. Richard. Uh, I think it's William Tell. Richard Matheson. That's the one. That's, that's right. The guy. I thought yeah, so. That's that's him. Uh, and I haven't opened it. Uh, same with uh, Once Upon a Time. And uh, there's a couple of. Uh, I wanted to buy the the, the book that's um, where Blade Runner is based on, which is called uh, Do Androids some... Dream of Electric Sleep? Yeah, that one. And then just just sci-fi of that time. I I, I was interested in, but I just know that I'm not going to read them. So I stopped spending money on that. I just. I'm still like, oh, I got a um, uh, Cthulhu book uh, too. That's like thick, not opened it once. Uh, what's his name? Uh, racist guy, racist but good guy. H.P. Lovecraft. Yeah, Lovecraft. Haven't opened it. That one's in my girlfriend's house actually because she started reading it. I'm just like, just I, I don't read. Yeah. I, don't have, I don't have the. I don't have the attention span. You got to do audio everything up. Yeah, I guess. Because it, it uh, listen, it's worthwhile to get into that sort of thing. But I, I mm-hmm. I'm right there with you, where I don't have the attention span or patience anymore to be able to sit and just have quiet, let alone yeah. have the ability to f- like focus and and nail each page. 
So I, I, you know, I can probably do scripts if I, if I try hard enough, but like sitting down and reading a physical book is a real task for me nowadays. Yeah. So, uh, HP Lovecraft, I find him very hit and miss personally. Some of his stories I, I enjoy, but on the whole, gets a little too out there for me. gets a little too over the top. Same with, um, what's his name? Christian author, uh, mere Christianity. Do you know who I'm talking about? Nope. God damn. What did he do? Not Tolkien. Um, did, did he do the Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe? Um, J.K. Rowling. Yeah, that's right. Famous Christian author. Near Christianity? That's... Uh, I, I don't know. C.S. Lewis. That's right. C.S. Lewis, who, who did do Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe. Yes, I, I read Mere Christianity, um, which is not that kind of book. But, I mean, it's that kind of book still because, you know. All right. All right. Now now we're, we're, we're almost <laughs> beating the record. I think we're getting real close to, to beating JFK. Should we let JFK uh, have it or should it go to? Um... Yeah, I haven't had I haven't had dinner yet. It's midnight. Oh, so I, no. I, yeah. No, you got to go to bed without it. Now. You can't eat bed. after eight o'clock. Everybody knows that. That's how you, that's how you gain weight. You eat dinner after eight o'clock. You have snacks. No, see, but the difference is that I, I kind of have to take a shit. So it uh, like compensates for what I'm going to eat. No, that's not how that works. Everybody has to shit all the time. <laughs> um, maybe I'll read this Halloween Kills script. Maybe it's good. Hey, you want to know what the last line of Halloween Kills is before we end the show? What, what is it? I'll, um, I'll be back. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> um, okay, I'm not going to tell you the character because maybe it'll spoil the stakes of the film okay. if you know who's who's in it and who's in, who's not in it at the end. Run. Run as far as you possibly can. I'm coming for you. I'm never going to stop coming for you until I put you in the ground and send you back to hell. Okay, so that's definitely Jamie Lee Curtis uh, telling his daughter. No, I don't know. No, that's his daughter or the girl woman. I don't know. I don't care. (laughs) Really, that sounds shitty. Um, What happens after that line? Well, I can't, I'm not going to read the character's name. Blank drops the phone. It clatters and bounces against the concrete wall. She walks off, disappearing into the bustling crowd ahead. Interior, hospital, hallway. Moments later, up ahead, the crowd is large. After a moment, Blank emerges from the crowd, walking toward us, a look of determination like never before on her face. Pan down to reveal... The bloody knife blank left with blank. We gain on it. Freeze frame on the knife. The end. So Jamie Lee Curtis's daughter becomes the new Michael. Uh, that sucks. I don't know about God, that. Where's Silver Shamrock? Where's that war? Where's that wizard that had the Halloween mask because he wanted to have kids' heads melt into bugs? That's what I'm curious about. How does that come into play? Where's the God. thorn cult? How how did you manage to make me less excited about this movie <laughs> by just reading a couple of like, uh, fuck. Screenwriting really is a shitty medium. Real shitty task. Yeah. 
because everything can be cringe or it can be great depending on the actor and how they deliver the line. It, and it, I mean, Max Land has pointed this out, but even just like having the wrong music playing can kill the entire vibe of a scene. So I don't know. I don't, I, it's not like a novel where you're reading it and you know, in the, like you're the sole decider of whether or not it works, whether or not Stephen King saying whore master in his, in his writing <laughs> works. Um, it, it, it's entirely, hat. yeah. Uh, Rose the <laughs> So stupid, God! Why would he do that? Jesus! He's not doing drugs anymore because he sucks. You know, I I looked it up because I was watching The Shining briefly. I did not know the Danny Torrance kid does a cameo in that fucking Doctor Sleep movie. He plays the baseball coach. No, dignity. the kid is. Yeah, I thought that was supposed to be the the Jack Nicholson character. Jack Black plays. Danny who's Torrance. The, who's, the, who's the guy that plays Jack Torrance in? That's uh, that's Henry Thomas like from E.T. But um, oh. the, the, the kid, the the kid from the original Shining, Danny Lloyd, plays the softball coach of the kids' team when they kill Jacob Tremblay. I honestly, I I've been thinking about rewatching that, uh, but then I remember that it's almost three hours, and like, oh fuck, fuck that. It's like I'm. Yeah, there's don't, I, no. we didn't watch the director's no. cut. Maybe, maybe no. if the director had his say, then it would have been a better film. If Mike Flanagan, the man who resembles a baby, had his say, <laughs> had his day in court, then that would be a well-received film. Maybe we got to check it. Maybe it's going to be a hateful eight situation. Maybe we go back and we go, wait a minute. How could we have been so wrong? I'm not watching three hours of Doctor Sleep. I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm not putting myself through that. I put myself through it on a cam, and that was shit. Uh, I'm sure it's not going to improve that much. Maybe we're going to do that for Civic TV. Because Jerry is a Kubrick fan. Um, Has he seen it? I don't believe he has. Boy. Okay, only in that setting because I, I will be able to not watch it alone and just die of never watch misery. alone. That's gonna be this. That's the end of that trilogy. Is us watching Doctor Sleep in misery, yeah. misery. That's it. That's how we connected into misery. James Khan getting his ankles broke by a yeah. fat woman. It's kind of yeah, a, but I'm only watching. I'm I only feel watching like Doctor Street in that setting. I, I I don't think I could enjoy that movie if I'm not able to make fun of it with other people. You know. Hey, you ever think about uh, Kenny's sexual proclivities and what that man is into? No. <laughs> Why would I think of that? No, I don't. I don't know. He doesn't, just, text, uh, he doesn't text X-rated text messages to me by mistake, like he does to you. I said uh, to our how... dear friend Kenny, um, who we haven't funny. recorded an episode. Dude, boys yesterday, yesterday when you said that, I read it and I was like, "Oh, that's weird. Why would he?" And then as soon as I realized that it was Kenny texting you by mistake, I just fucking laughed for like five minutes. Uh, what was the message? Sorry, I, I interrupted your setup. No, it's no, it's more than okay because I mean, I just felt like I had to bring it up at some point. I don't know if I really want to talk about it, but here, uh, here, here it is. I said to Kenny, I said, "Hey, you want to get?" Because his birthday's in October. 
my birthday's in October. I said, hey, Kenny, you want to do uh, birthday drinks this Friday when I'm in town? And he said, sure, why not? You know, I was going to go round two with one of my eight girlfriends. Uh, and uh, I said, oh, well, I didn't say anything, actually. I just let it be. I said, all right, whatever. I'm a fucking pest, I guess. Whatever. Fuck you, Kenny. Um, yeah. And then about 40 minutes later, I get a text that says, uh, can I play with your butt while I play with myself? <laughs> And um, I'm uh, I'm fairly certain that was not intent. Now Kenny's a heterosexual man. He does have two children and eight girlfriends. After all, maybe he's just bored. Maybe he needs a male 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 excitement. I don't know. But um, I mean, he did say butt. You know? It's a it's a gender neutral term. So right. uh, I got that, and um, there was no correction at any point. <laughs> He hasn't said, oh, sorry, that was not for you. He's just, he just let it be. I said, dude, you need to, you need to check your contact. If you should start saving numbers, my friend. (laughs) How many times do you see he's messaged the wrong people, things like that? His boss, his mom. Oh, Christ. (laughs) I, I hope it's just limited to me and none of those people, but. Not the first time too, right? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if he's texted me anything that meant for anybody else before, but, uh, hopefully that's the last time. Anyway, play with your butt while I play with yeah, myself. That's, that's hilarious. He would later tell me, he would later tell me, bro, this girl's into rim jobs, but not receiving them. And then it was like the blushing wide open eyes emoji face. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. He sent me that. And I was like, uh, damn dude <laughs> like, what, do you, what the <laughs> fuck do you say to that it's like i don't dude we're not 17 years old why are you telling me this yeah that's cool kenny enjoy nice okay go, go get your ass ate bro go get nice. your ass cleaned up by this <laughs> horse tongue <laughs> let me see if i got the uh, exact quote here because i know i i don't think i replied here's the entirety of the exchange um uh, um, he said, uh, yes, can I play with you, but while I play with myself, I said, bro, you need to check your contact ID. He does the black guy shrug emoji. That could have been for you. <laughs> and then he later says, nice save though. Um, one of them is into, he does laugh, cry emojis over and over. I said, this is how, you know, you have too many girls in your rotation. He does laugh, cry emojis. Uh, he said, one of them is into rim jobs, but don't like getting them. That face. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the blushing face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to just screen cap this and share it here in the, uh, in the group. Oh, so, my God. Because it's really something that, you know, it's a visual feast for the eyes. What a character. Truly. I would later say... Um, because I've I've told quite a few people about this now. Just uh, Kenny's life is a sitcom. He's a sitcom character through and through. And now it's a Comedy Central sitcom. It used to be like NBC with him and all his gals or whatever he was going through. Oh, his baby mama saying the wrong guy's name during sex. Uh, That's the type of thing you'd see on like an ABC sitcom in the early 90s, like Tool Time. Oh, no. On purpose, too. 
on i i think on purpose so she could tell him without telling there you go perfect so that's the kind of uh, exchanges <laughs> i'm having with one kenny dorsley of comfort systems of old boys glue addict <laughs> truly a star in the making yeah that's the that's the phase <laughs> yeah <laughs> perfect well i couldn't think of a better way to cap the show i think this is now yeah. the record Card counters, number one. Cisco needs to come back, do four hours. Uh, talk about Nick. We'll do Nixon next. Oliver Stone's Nixon. Oh, God. Fuck you guys. <laughs> Another the American, American president, president movie. Retrospective. And we'll no, let's end do it with w. w. Isn't that like three hours? Or Lincoln? Isn't that three hours or some shit? Lincoln is Spielberg. Uh, w. So uh, Oliver Stone did JFK. He did Nixon. And he did W. w. Right. Eventually, yeah. Trump. Right. So I'm surprised well, nobody's hopped on that yet. They did that series, right? Where they the, the Comey method, right? Uh, well, well, that's every to, we series. have to wait. We have to wait for him to be on what series? Good the Wonder like, Years, like W. Like do you w mean? Do you mean uh, Dawson's Creek? You mean uh, Gossip Girl? Do you mean uh, the Jimmy Kimmel Show? No, I think we're we're stretching it now. Yeah, we definitely are. All right. <laughs> All right. Okay, that, that has been movies for this week. Oh. Thank you for listening. <laughs> <laughs>